Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very, 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 very special edition of The Brink as we celebrate our 100th podcast episode. Woo! Celebrate good times. Yeah, okay. Uh, my name is Ben. And I'm Mallory. And you're so excited to be here, as per so usual. So excited to be here. Now, now, let's just quickly say that you, you're very tired today. <laughs> you're sleepy. <laughs> you're cold. <laughs> you're hungry. <laughs> you're smelly. <laughs> you're, you're everything and more. But <laughs> I appreciate the fact that you're sitting here with me with that microphone in front of your face because you didn't end up showing up to the other radio this week. So... I'm making us sad, but it's it's a great episode to be here today. It's a different one. Basically, this whole episode is going to be, you're going to hear from a variety of former co-hosts as well as other guests that we've had. It's a very long episode, as you can see. It's about three odd hours long, so enjoy it if you make it through the whole way. But Mallory, I'm just going to have a chat with you first today. You look like you're struggling there to... What were you even doing there? You're trying to push out a fart or something? Spartan. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, you have, in this short amount of time, this is, I think, your 30th episode you've co-hosted or 29th. <laughs> You're only about two weeks away, three weeks away from being the uh, the female co-host with the most uh, episodes. How have you found your time involved in this program? And be completely honest with me. Terrible. Terrible? Absolutely Terrible. Worst work environment I've ever been a part of. No, I'm kidding. Hashtag me too. Is that what you're trying to say? It's, it's been great. It's been great. That's all you need to say? Yeah. Yeah. Now it's, you. It's fun most of the time. Most of the time. Now, what are the times when it's not fun? <laughs> when you're just yawning. <laughs> Sorry, attention. my eyeball was itchy and then I had to yawn. Um, what was the question? What? Are, when are the times it's not fun? Times like today when I don't want to and you make me anyway. Well, it's a weekly thing. You've got to get involved. But I'm making you do this a little bit earlier just because, you know, we can get this out and done and ready to go. But uh, you, you you used to come on as a guest every now and then, you know, when you you and I were fresh and young and getting to know each other. And Aww. now we're stuck with each other. With a <laughs> <laughs> You've got an expensive piece of jewelry on your finger, which ties you into contractual obligations for holding a microphone in your hand once a week. Is that how you... You feel or... Yep. Yep. We started in, in Hobart. We've recorded this in other parts of the world and now here we are in New Zealand and now you've got a cat on your lap. I do. With uh, our dearly beloved Stiggy coming along here. What what have... <laughs> he's not going to talk. He's a cat. What have been your highlights being on this, on this program since you've been involved? And Stiggy's playing with the microphone, but uh, that's not really going to help. <laughs> uh, what have been your highlights... On this show. Stop playing with the cat and answer the question. Um, my highlights have been... Yep. Asking our 500 questions. I don't know. That That's it, is it? Not the me uh, inventing the horse? <gasps> that was a great moment in my life. You <laughs> Inventing the horse? You're really trying to get Stiggy to talk, aren't you? Yeah, he doesn't want to talk to us. No, I don't think you want to talk to us either because you're just blatantly ignoring the questions I'm asking you right now. Y- you enjoy... The, the 500 questions that we ask every week. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, I do very much. What what has been your favourite question out of those? <laughs> I think we're up to about 280 at the moment, aren't we? It'd be great if you could pay attention, please, right now. 
right now. Thank you. He won't mew. Because he's not going <laughs> to mew. He's playing with the thing. He's not going to mew. I think it would be a great thing for the 100th episode to have a little Well, kitty hold mew. him. He like doesn't like being held after a certain amount of time, and he'll meow after that, won't he? If you hold him up and put the microphone to his mouth, you actually got to like hold him up a little. No, he's... <laughs> See, he's just uh, that he's legitimately a cat playing with the microphone as <laughs> Mallory is trying to get him to not <laughs> just dropping him. Yeah, this is exactly what I thought would happen uh, on this today. Um, and now he's attacking your hand. It's a great celebratory episode when really she's not paying attention at all to what Yay, I'm trying to 100. say. Yay, 100. The 100th question was my favorite. What was the 100th I question? I have no idea. I feel like I need to look <laughs> that up right now. Sh- shall we celebrate the occasion by re-asking the 100th question to yes. to see if it's uh, if it's any good? What if that's like the one about um, the, the ham and the sunscreen or whatever the hell that was? Do you remember that ugh. one? That, that was a very loud um, ugh. Realistically, um, do you, do you send this off to people for people to listen to? I mean, I don't think so because um, your mother still no. talks to me, so uh, that's probably why no one else has listened to this. All right, one hundred. Gosh, there's a lot of these to scroll through. Uh, the question: It would be really great if you could stop doing that because it is very annoying. Um, the one hundredth question that I re asked today: which, which conspiracy theory do you think might actually be true? Come on, one of them must be. All the others were just made up to make that one look crazy. Was this where you said something about nine eleven? I think last time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Stiggy, what's your answer? <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we've got a long episode, and it's already becoming a long episode when half of us don't really want to be here and are just being annoying. So let's go into uh, the next bit and hear from some of our great former co-hosts. <laughs> we celebrate our 100th podcast episode. It's about time we got our next guest back on the show. Uh, it's been some time since you've heard his voice. And I would usually make some little joke about his accent or something, but it's it's kind of a normal voice to me now. I don't even need to make a joke about it. It's Nick Chester to talk about New Zealand. Hello, Nick. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks. I've got a normal New Zealand accent, to be fair. Like, you're, you're surrounded by Southlanders who have really weird accents, so at least mine's kind of normal for New Zealand. Yeah, well, you don't, like, say Invercargill um, and kind yeah, of, yeah. Know, roll those R's, which, yeah. my goodness, I thought that was something that, like, oh, that's not true, but then within a week being here, you're like, holy crap, they do it. Um, it is weird, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, yeah, been a while since I've had you on. Obviously, I felt that um, we get you on to celebrate this occasion, and usually this is a part where I'm like, what's happening in New Zealand this week, Nick? But um, I kind of know the answer to that. <laughs> it's it's interesting, I think, uh, being below you and not below you to the left right now. That sounds a bit rude, I think. Uh, how's Hamilton? I don't know. Like, is that the question I need to ask? What's going on in, in Waikato? Well, I mean, I think probably the whole the whole kind of not to bring it down too much, but I guess the whole world knows what's happening in New Zealand at the moment. So um, it's uh, and all for all the wrong reasons, which we probably don't need to go into. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, Hamilton's good. It's um, it's you know we're coming to the end of of summer. We're into the last two weeks, kind of before daylight saving kind of ends, and everybody gets depressed and <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, it's been a, been a good summer here and really dry and all that kind of thing. We haven't had a lot of rain and. Um, um, yeah, things are just ticking along nicely in the Waikato, except for our rugby team, which, oh no, they did win on the weekend, so there's there's, there's miracles to happen uh, in the Waikato from time to time. Yeah, I thought the Chiefs were good. Um, it's kind of interesting. So did we, so did we, yeah. Yeah, it was um, a bit of a shock. Yeah, I mean, I had to do a subtle brag to you after the first game. I was like, hey, am I 
been a, a Highlander supporter long enough to be able to have a subtle little brag. But even I can't really do that because I think, what, the Highlanders won the first two games and then they've lost everything since. So um, <laughs> is it just a case of everybody hates the Crusaders? Is that kind of a thing? Or are we allowed to hate them anymore now, kind of given what's happened? Oh, I think they're still just a sports team, aren't they? So I think you can hate them. I think um, they're kind of like, I guess, you know, like the Manchester United or the Patriots of of, um, New Zealand rugby, you know. And, you know, people hate them because they win, basically. You know, like you don't hate a team that that never wins. Um, So, you know, there is a a certain amount of jealousy to it, let's be honest, um, that we all wish our team won as much as the Crusaders. But, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, uh, you know, we're not picking on Christchurch at all, especially at the moment. But uh, their fans can get a little bit cocky. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always nice to see them get brought down a peg when they lose occasionally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you've, you've got to look up to them. Though. They're, they're a great team and, and been consistent over so many years that, yeah, they're kind of the gold standard, I suppose. What I found fascinating, actually, when I was in Australia the other week, um, I wore my Highlanders jersey to an NRL game because it was the opening round. Uh, and it was the Storm versus the Broncos. And as I was walking through the stadium, a group of guys saw me wearing my Highlanders shirt and they started shouting at me like, Canterbury, Canterbury. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. And, you know, and then the next day at the Grand Prix, which actually was the day of uh, the Christchurch attacks, but it was before like it had happened. So it's not like they were wearing it because of that. I actually saw somebody wearing a Crusaders jersey at the Grand Prix. So it's kind of interesting. Like it's probably something I've never really paid that much attention to before moving here because you know we would only i mean living in tasmania you would barely hear anything on the super rugby but living in queensland you'd hear a little bit more about it obviously with the reds but um it's fascinating because i didn't realize there was that level of supporters who kind of you know i I didn't think it was like the afl where if you're wearing a carlton top someone's going to be bagging me out for wearing carlton top whereas i didn't realize rugby supporters were quite like that yeah, and I'm, I mean, let's be honest, is that the Super Rugby competition is is terrible, really. Like, it goes on way too long. Nobody really understands how it works in terms of who you play and, you know, how you make the playoffs and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's got pretty big problems, which means that it's kind of never really been picked up internationally. It's got a lot of kind of potential, but it is just a bit of a mess. And so, you know, sometimes it is kind of hard to get too invested because you just you really don't know kind of what's going to happen. Not every Everybody plays everybody, which I find a bit weird. I suppose you as an American sports fan, mm. that's the case over there. So that's probably doesn't feel that unusual for you. But me as somebody who I guess probably, you know, I follow a little bit of the NRL and, and especially English football and everybody plays everybody there. That's kind of how the system works. So I've always found that kind of hard to adjust to. Um, I think in its heyday, you know, the Super Rugby was, was amazing and um the one I remember was actually, God, I can't believe I actually remember this. I think it was 1998, which was basically when the Crusaders and the and the Highlanders made the final. And it was in Dunedin, um, and um, the Crusaders had like this come-from-behind win, and they like won it um, kind of towards the end of the game, and it was like this kind of epic game. And the, but there'd been like this massive build-up to it as well, so it was, you know, kind of like the whole country kind of stopped to watch. And, and nowadays, like, you know, like lots of people just wouldn't even watch the, the Super Rugby final. They couldn't give two shits really so um we are turning into a bit of a you know like we'll watch it sometimes when the all blacks are playing everybody stops to watch that but yeah there's probably a bit too much rugby and that's part of the problem i think when i was at the odt and kind of on my the day when i went into dunedin to their offices to kind of sign all the contracts and all that fun stuff they actually you know have the wall kind of you know with framed 
you know, front pages, you know, classic front pages and that. And one of the most prominent ones was when the Highlanders won it, which was, what, 2015 or whenever it was. So they kind of had, like, this giant, like, you know, all this huge coverage of the, the Highlanders winning it. And another thing, actually, which I found fascinating in terms of rugby coverage, particularly in this part of the country... Uh, and I guess I didn't really appreciate the the level of what it means to New Zealanders. I know you've explained to me previously about it, and then we obviously went to that game where they had the Ramfelly Shield uh, that sadly you guys lost on that day to Otago. But um, I think in doing a lot of my, you know, just searching through the archives of photos and that when I was at the ODT, I found sort of, I guess it was 2009 when Southland must have won it uh, for the first time in a very yeah. long time. And just the... The airport was just filled, absolutely filled with supporters and just all of Invercargill stopped to see this, like, come back there. So I kind of wish I had known just how big, how much of a bigger deal this was and maybe I would have understood how much that sucked for you guys to lose at that game we went to in Hamilton. Yeah, the Ramfley Shield is such a strange kind of New Zealand. I don't know of any other kind of sport or country that has this kind of, like, this challenge thing. So basically, like, every time, if you're the holder, every time you play a home game, you've got to put it up. Um, you know, you've got to defend it. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of a weird thing because I guess on their day, anybody can, you know, any team can win it. So even if you're right at the bottom of the table, if you're taking on the Ranfilly Shield holders, you can kind of win that. And um, so, you know, like I guess it's one of those things that it's, you know, it, it's it's um, just a bit of a legendary thing within New Zealand rugby. And um, unfortunately, Super Rugby and, and All Blacks have kind of pushed it to the side a little bit. So it's not as big of a deal as it used to be anymore. And um, I guess the other thing too is that smaller unions don't win it all that much anymore. The, you know, the days of Southland winning it or Taranaki winning it or whatever, those days are kind of, you know, you don't get them all that much anymore because, you know, growing up I was from the Bay of Plenty and, and Bay of Plenty had never won it until I think about 2003. Um, and, you know, that was the first time they'd ever won it. They'd come close so many times. And even when they won it, it was massive. You know, like the mm. whole region kind of went crazy. And, you know, it went on this tour through all these tiny little towns in the Bay of Plenty. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. And so, you know, people just love it. And um, unfortunately, it's kind of one of those things that's become a bit of a victim of professional sport, I suppose. It's been kind of pushed more and more to the boundaries, which is a little bit sad. And I believe Southland actually are the first team to take on Otago during this season. Uh, they're putting it up first time around at uh, Forsyth Bar at some point. So I think that will be uh, interesting. But uh, one thing I'm glad to be in New Zealand this year, though, is um, it's a it's a triple World Cup year for three sports very near and dear to New Zealanders. Obviously, the Rugby World Cup's the big one, but then you've also got cricket and netball this year so I mean I think I've chosen a good year to be here because already I get stick from people saying like oh you're in Australia it's going to be fun for you living here this year with the rugby um it's kind of I think you even mentioned that to me at one point didn't you when I had my picture with my all black shirt saying like oh you know enjoy wearing that this year when they choke or something like that so it's an interesting year to be in New Zealand this year I feel in sports side of things yeah, it is going to be a big year. I mean, I have to say I'm most looking forward to the Cricket World Cup, actually, not because I think the Black Caps are going to win it, but I think the the kind of way that that, that World Cup is set up, that kind of everybody plays everybody, is quite a cool concept, I think. Um, so I think that, you know, every game's going to be quite fun to watch. Um, so, yeah, I um, you know, the rugby one is the one that everyone here will go crazy about, and, and, you know, I guess rightfully so. It's our national sport, so you definitely expect that. Netball, forget about it. We won't. We might not even <laughs> make it out of the group at the moment the the um the silver ferns are not going through a good a good phase at the moment and you know that happens uh, you know like you can't be great all the time so hopefully they'll build back up but i think we probably all need to accept that this is not going to be their year 
Mm, yeah, it's going to be interesting. One thing I, I feel like I need to mention, not necessarily again bringing this down a, a notch with what's happened recently, but you and I have in the past talked a lot about Jacinda. I mean, I learnt about her all through you during the election here a couple of years ago. But, uh, I mean, what a what an incredible woman. Uh, just absolutely the, the, the woman of the world right now, the, the person of the world right now, just how she's dealing with everything. I mean, as, as a New Zealander yourself, and who I know kind of you've given your opinion on her a few times, but, I mean, how do you feel like right now having her as your as your prime minister because even i saw a thing the other day uh on somebody from australia shared it that you know currently about to come up to an australian election election they're like preferred prime minister just into our 90 percent so it's kind of you know it, it's spreading so i mean how are you feeling right now with jacinda at this present time yeah well i mean she's done an amazing job and i think probably you've got to you've kind of got to put it into that context of you know like uh, invariably she's always going to be compared to like a donald trump you know and like he has kind of had every opportunity to comfort victims and times like this and, and kind of turned it down to make a political statement instead and she's kind of not done that at all she's just you know she's gone out there and done what you know what a, what i think a good leader does which is you know just go and comfort the victims and and put a personal face to the tragedy and you know kind of show some leadership and you know people kind of forget that she's only what like 37 38 something like that it's pretty amazing um that she's doing what she's doing given her age yeah i mean she's definitely somebody that you know i think we can all take pride in what she's done i haven't really heard anyone even people i know that don't like her very much or don't like the labor party there's hardly been anyone who's been able to be critical because i think basically everything she's done has been kind of spot on she's done all the right things and i guess probably none of it has felt like some kind of political photo op you know it's all felt really really genuine and you know people can sniff that out eh? they they know when somebody's just trying to do something to win a vote and she's kind of it's felt like she's kind of just done all the right things for for the right reasons as well so yeah i mean she's definitely somebody to be proud of um yeah i mean um like i kind of said at the top there's everybody knows what's happening in new zealand at the moment and we we kind of never ever expected something like this would happen so it's kind of a bit of a shock to everybody really but um you know it, it, it's a horrible thing but um you know the person that's kind of fronting new zealand to the world you couldn't have done a better job really i just think the thing that was kind of odd, I think, on when we heard about it and everything that happened um, was that, you know, knowing like what you said, like this is something that should never have happened here at all. And it's kind of, you know, we'd only lived in this country for four or five months until this point and we weren't in the country when it happened, but it was still kind of like a real sense of like, you just you just could not believe it because you know we've we've lived in this country for a few months, but you know the people, you just know what this country's like, and it's just it is the last place in the world you think this is going to happen. And, and I think I posted on Facebook at one point saying it was it's a very similar feel I remember when I was a kid when Port Arthur happened because like that would be the last place in Australia you would think that would happen would be Tasmania. So um, yeah, I mean obviously it's it's an absolute tragedy that is still very fresh, but. Um, yeah, it's just it's just it's still very hard to believe that it's it's happened here in New Zealand. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you're totally right. It's not something we ever expected to happen here and I guess it's a wake up call to all of us that you know these things can happen and we need to still be vigilant and um you know there is you know I think you know 95% of Kiwis are, are really genuine good people but there is that element out there of people that 
have been saying these things for a while and we probably haven't done a very good job of calling them out. And so I think for all of us, it's just that opportunity to, you know, to make sure that when we see things that, that are not appropriate to be saying or, you know, people are posting stupid racist memes, which unfortunately does happen from time to time that we, we all need to do our bit to call that out and, and, and make sure that it's everybody's seen that out in the open so that the, these kind of people can't really just go about their business without people really noticing them. And I, I think that was probably the scariest part is that you know these people sometimes just you know like they can just exist because you know we we kind of don't we you know we don't call this kind of thing out but we also kind of live in that world now where people you know often don't talk to their neighbors and they don't know what's going on and you don't want to pry into other people's business and so you know people can be doing the most horrible things next next door to you and you don't even know it anymore and that's a scary place to be as well so but yeah i think it's probably just a big wake-up call for everybody and um you know you would hope this kind of thing would never ever happen again but you know it is scary to think that it can happen anywhere one thing i want to close it out on just really briefly is because it kind of ties back into the very beginning of when we switched over this into the podcast as we obviously celebrate the 100th episode i remember being on the road with you back when i first came to new zealand in 2016 and, you know, doing recordings with you. But I remember that was just after the council elections. Of course, you are involved in sort of that side of that's your work. That's kind of what you do. And, you know, it's kind of like it was interesting hearing that from you. And I, I believe you had a new mayor elected at that point. I think we saw him at the side of the road, didn't we? Waving a sign saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. But now that I'm here, and I think one of the things that you told me when, you know, you're moving to Invercargill, you're going to learn about Tim Shabolt. And the fact that I'm going to be in the media having to cover these elections uh, and <laughs> in being here now for the amount of time I have, I've, I've met him. I got a photo with him. I've seen him around a lot. You hear so many opinions about this man. Um, it's going to be interesting, I think, covering this uh, election because a lot of people down here think it's about time he goes. <laughs> I mean, is he like the most famous thing ever to come from this part of the country? And he's not even from here, yeah. of course. He moved here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I mean, what? So he was made a, a knight, wasn't he? Earlier he was. Year, he's now he? Sir Tim Shabolt this year. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I think probably what's what a lot of people don't realise is that you know, like how much power and influence your local council has in your day to day life. You know, they mm. they look after your roads and your rubbish and and make sure that the water comes out of your tap and you know in a safe manner and it's clean and all that kind of stuff. And and obviously that's decided by you know elected officials. And um, you know, there's we've got councils all over New Zealand, and um, you know they make really big decisions. And so you know, I think that there's some um, you know some interesting stuff that happens there. But lots of people don't vote. Like our our voters turnout for local government elections is you know kind of around about 35 percent which is kind of stunning really but that's mostly because in New Zealand it's done by post and so you know I think a lot of people are interested but it just kind of comes through the mailbox and I think oh yeah I'll get around to that and then you know a couple of bills pile up on top of it and you know then by the time they get around to it they're cleaning up the stuff that's on their kitchen table and you know it's past the date when the election happens and so you know it's kind of just I don't think it's that people don't care I think it's that the system just is is not really designed to kind of encourage people to get out and vote but you know people definitely should and they should pay attention because there's um yeah there's some, a lot of important things happen at that level and yeah i think it, um 
in places like in Macargo, you're going to have you know an interesting race where you've got a you know somebody who is a um, you know a national icon. He's not just a regional icon. He's somebody that everybody knows, and he he really is the face of a Macargo. So I mean, you'd be very much more informed than I am about him. But yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly somebody that um, you know he he is that kind of face. And I think probably when people come time to vote a lot of people go well, you know he's been a really good advocate for this part of the of the country and he gives us a profile so we'll keep voting for him but you know maybe that won't be the case i don't know mm, yeah i'm gonna be very intrigued to see what happens with it but uh perhaps we'll get you back on we can chat a little bit more about that a little later in the year because i'm going to be very intrigued to see how it all plays out nick it's been a pleasure to have you back on the show sorry it's taken so long but it's great to have you on this celebratory episode and uh we won't make it as long between the next appearance i promise you that yeah, well, happy birthday or happy anniversary, whatever you might want to call it, for 100 episodes. But uh, big achievement, and um, I'm sure the first of me milestones to come. As we continue to celebrate the 100th podcast episode of The Brink, we, of course, are revisiting many guests and, of course, co-hosts on the show. Now, our next person technically was a co-host. He, he guest-hosted one episode, the only celebrity, I like to say, that we ever had co-host the show. And, of course, one of our most frequent, if not the most frequent guest on our program back in the good old radio days in Edge Radio. I'll do a speak of Tom Wolf from the Wolf Brothers, golden guitar winning Tom Wolf uh, right now on the show. Tom, welcome back to the brink. Mate, it's good to be, uh, it's great to be back having a chat. How's things, mate? Oh, it's it's going well, going very well. Uh, how about yourself? I mean, gosh, we caught up last year when I was in Tassie, but you've you've done a few things since then. You, you've got a couple of golden <laughs> little statues that are on your mantelpiece. Uh, how, how's that? How's that going for you at the moment? <laughs> Going really well, mate. We uh, yeah, we had a great year January at the Tamworth Country Music Festival. Um, yeah, we, we won our first ever Golden Guitars, and we didn't just win one; we won four of them in one night. So that was uh, incredible, absolutely incredible. And um, you know, when you've been you've been there with us from the start, mate, and you know, uh, we, I mean, we've had thirteen losses, thirteen nominations, <laughs> and thirteen losses. So it was pretty damn amazing to uh, to come out with. Um, yeah, with, with with that amount. So, uh, yeah, totally stoked. You basically were the John Wood of the uh, Golden Guitars, really, kind of every year nominated. <laughs> oh, it's great to be here. But, I mean, do you, do you get to a point where you start going to the award show and because you've had so many losses that you've, you've practised that face, that, you know, little acknowledging nod of, oh, yes, they thoroughly deserve it, and you kind of just go now, oh, at least I get free booze for the night. I can get pissed. I'm not going to win one of these. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> no, look, I mean... I, you know, I, I'm, everyone that's won, you know, they're not easy to get and I'm really happy for everybody that's got one and I mean, they truly do deserve it, you know, so um, we've sat there and I mean, there's been a few we thought we might have won over the years, but we obviously haven't and uh, anyway, it, it all come together in January and it was this, this incredible night, like, you know, and you could feel the support in the room and uh, it was just amazing, I still don't even have the words, you know, it just felt just so, so good, you know. And given you won four of them, does that mean you each get to keep one each? Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> we get to keep one each. So, um, so, yeah, that's really, really, really awesome. Mm. Really, really amazing. They thought of you. They were like, oh, well, you know, it's been a while. We may as well give them one each so they can travel yeah. around with it. But do you do you use it then to kind of get free stuff? Because I know it's sort of something that, you know, boosts your profile a little bit. So, I mean, do you kind of, particularly around country music festival time, can you walk into like McDonald's I, in I Tamworth and be like, hey. I don't, know if, I don't know if it's free stuff. I think it's more, um, you know, for us it's just more, it's really sort of showing in the shows now. I mean, we're seeing a massive amount of, support at the gigs. I mean, we're having sell-out shows. We're going around the country and, 
you know, we, like we're from Hobart, obviously, and we're going up to Cairns, and I mean, you know, that we're going to do uh, Cairns, Townsville, Mackay in a couple of weeks, and they're nearly all sold out. So I think what the what the Golden Guitars has really done with the fans is really solidified what we're doing, who we are. I think it's made a lot of people go back, listen to the songs, listen to the to the old albums, to the new albums, and there's this, this whole new support coming through again, which, which is really, really exciting. Really, I mean, that's why you do it, you know. It just, it's been so good. This, this year's been the best one yet, and I thought last year was good. <laughs> well, I've got to say that moving forward, and we have a very good track record on this show, Tom, of making these predictions and them coming true. So obviously you've had four albums. You know, your last one went in the top ten of the ARIA charts. So we've got to get you a number one on the ARIA chart, but we've also got to get you an ARIA award. So they're kind of the next yeah. two, right? That's what we're going to get you. Yeah, look, I mean, we've lost two Arias. Yeah. Um, definitely not 13. An Aria would be really nice. Um, that's the next goal. Actually, it's funny, you know, we're talking, though, I just found out, um, I just only literally just found, I'm just sitting here as I talk to you, I'm looking at my computer, looking at my emails. Um, ain't seen it yet. It's been nominated for APRA Song of the Year, which oh. is Australian Forum yeah. Service Association. That's a big one. And 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 the whole album has been nom- Country Hearts been nominated in the Air Awards, uh, Australian Independent Recording Associations. Fantastic. The album of Country Album of the Year. So... I've literally only just found out as I'm Breaking talking news. to you. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's, Congratulations. That's really cool. That's really cool. So I thought um, I you yeah. get like a phone call from your band manager or something. You literally just get an email like, oh, yeah, guys, yeah, another nomination yeah, this yeah, morning. Yeah. I'm just looking now. Congrats, <laughs> congratulations, boys. Congratulations. So, uh, Is it yeah, second hat go. to you? Second nature. Ah, another award. Yeah. Oh, okay. Put it in the pile. Yeah. <laughs> If you could just hear a dog bark in the background, this is my life at the moment. I have a nine-week-old puppy called Ringo. I saw that, yes. He is lovely. He is a menace, but he is lovely. And I've already got two other dogs that are quite old, and um, one of them loves him, and the other one (laughs) just wants nothing to do with him. Uh. So, uh yeah. Now, Ringo, Funny. that name sounds familiar. Um. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, a Beatles, I'm, a, I'm a Beatles nut, so Ringo was, yeah. So does that all compliment the, George the... and John, and you're just waiting to get a Paul eventually? or? Yeah, well, so I sort of figure throughout my life I'm just going to have a heap of dogs that are, that are named, you know, after members of famous bands that I like, you know. <laughs> I feel like with the release of this Motley Crue movie lately, yes. maybe I need to get, like, a, a Nicky Six or yep. something. But, um yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Well, it's, it's really it's great. It's kind of the thing right now, isn't it? Sort of these band uh, movies at the moment. Obviously, after Bohemian Rhapsody, you've got Motley Crue one. We've got the Elton John one coming out soon. Uh, can we expect a Wolf Brothers one one day? Because I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that stuff needs to stay in the past, I think. Um, no, mate, it'd be amazing. I mean, I think, um, I think the reason it's happening is because they're pretty incredible stories, you know? I mean... There's something really uh, nice about seeing a band and stuff like that come from nowhere to, to such great, you know, sort of heights, I think. I know, I mean, not just musicians. I think a lot of people really love seeing that, you know. So, um, so I mean, I love it. I love the Bohemian Rhapsody one. I love the Motley Crue, and I'm pumped to see this Elton John one. I think that'll be uh, – I think that's going to be something incredible. Mm. I'm just trying to think who could play you guys in a movie. Uh, I'm not too sure if that's kind of one of these uh... – yeah, John Candy, John yep. Belushi. Yep, yep, no, that works. Yeah, no, all the good, yep, I can see that. 
Um, you know, Kevin James, sort of, if you want something a bit newer, uh, possibly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that. Yeah. Great. Have one of the Ryans yeah. play uh, Brody or something like that, um, you know. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree, I agree. Brad Pitt uh, yeah. can play Nick, um, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, no, mate, it's been crazy. Yeah, no, it would be. I, again, I'd definitely watch that for sure. But, I mean, you mentioned, obviously, you know, we've, we've had you guys on a lot. We, we talk Every time we get you on the show, we talk about sort of the history with you guys coming on the show. But do you have many memories back in 2013 of, of when you actually hosted an episode of The Brink? Because, as I said in the intro, you're kind of the only, I guess, celebrity who's ever, uh, you know, guest-hosted it. But do, what memories do you have of that one show you hosted? Well, I, I believe that was when Tim Franklin... Came in. Am I right in saying that? I would that? believe that would be one of the appearances, yes. Yes, I'd be right in saying that. Yeah, okay. It was great. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I liked doing a bit of radio. I think I could, maybe in my in my later years, you know, I, hopefully I can find myself a cushy radio job where I can, you know, you know, do it every Arvo somewhere in Hobart and then not do anything else. That would be really, that'd be right up my alley. Uh, <laughs> I almost guarantee you'll get one of them before I do, Tom. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, um, I really enjoyed it. I used to, we used to all love coming in and playing with, um, playing for you and chatting. And, um, I mean, as I always say, you were one of the, uh, one of the first to really ever sort of get behind us and support us and want to have us on the show. So for us, it's like, uh, yeah, it's been really great, mate. It's really great to have that support. We um we, we bloody appreciate that. Really appreciate it. Well, I can see this radio thing kicking off. And, I mean, even if you get a podcast, you know, Hungry Like the Wolf or something like that, you know, just <laughs> play on words. I'm sure you've heard them all before. But, you know, there's opportunities for you guys out there. I can see it happening. Yeah, well, you know, anything's possible. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, life is young. There's many years to go, so we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully I've got a bit more music left in me yet. Though. Yeah, well, that's Hopefully, that's only, only the music's just only kicking in, I think. I hope. Yeah, we're going to get you those arias, as I said, and then eventually, you know, once we get that number one out of the way, the aria out of the way, then we're going to look at things like the Grammys and, you know, top 100 in the US, things like that. You know, gr- gradual steps there, Tom. You're getting there. Yeah, gradual steps, absolutely. Grammy, aria. I mean, let's throw an Academy Award in there. Oh, why not? Why know? not? Why not? Lady Gaga just we've won come, one, so you know. <laughs> we've, come, we've come this far, you know. We've come this far. Never say never. You know, that's you've, exactly. got, you've got plenty exactly. of time ahead. Tom, it is always a pleasure having you on this show, mate. Thank you very much. And, again, congratulations on the awards and uh, on to bigger and better things moving forward uh, in 2019 and the future as well. Mate, thank you, and great to chat. Great to be back on the brink, and... Uh, as always, let's do it again, and we appreciate the support, mate. Lots of fun, always. Thank you. As we continue to celebrate 100 podcast episodes of The Brink, I am delighted to welcome back a man to this show who, over the course of about 12 or so months, uh, co-hosted 20 episodes of The Brink with me back in 2014 and 2015. Made a brief appearance, I believe, on one of these podcast episodes. I think we're at the basketball from memory, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he is a familiar voice to many and if you're still listening to us in Hobart a familiar voice on our former radio station Edge Radio because he still has a show on there Mr. Stuart Lipscomb Stewie welcome back to the brink how's it going my friend good Ben thank you for having me it is a it is a pleasure beyond pleasures to to have you here and to be staring at you through my computer yes I know it's it It could be very much a big pleasure for you well I brought the (laughs) tissues um so you never know what 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 may happen uh tears or other bodily fluids but uh 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to believe now that um, we're what, 2019 now. So the, the brink's been done and dusted yeah. on radio at least for four years. Still plugging along here. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's you... four years ago since we ended the brink. What the hell's going on there in Hobart? Well, you, had, you had a brief stint back on radio with the High Noon. That's right, yes. Good old High Noon. That, that was high a noon. popular little show, wasn't it? Oh, right. Yeah, look, Hobart's Hobart. Hobart's always Hobart. It hasn't really changed much. Traffic's getting worse. People are complaining about buses. Utah's is still shit. Yep, that sounds about everything that was yeah, there. Yeah, so was it's, it's Hobart. You got what a couple of bridges say? over the highways, didn't you? Isn't there a bridge going over the Cenotaph or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And if you look at it from a particular angle, it looks like vagina flaps. Oh well, you know, was was Mona involved in it then? Is it just kind of like the Wall of Cunts no. or something like that, or no? <laughs> no, no. Thankfully, while well, she wasn't involved in it, otherwise it'd probably look like a dick fucking account. Well, well, the only way things get done in Hobart, isn't it, if you attach Mona's name to it? So it's, that's why, like, if they oh. all of a sudden make it the Mona Cable Car, it'll be built within a week. Though they are talking about putting tunnels under the roads for to ease the traffic congestion. Yeah, there's there's lots of fantastic ideas. I remember when I was working at the Mercury, we did an article where it was basically like, in the last 10 years, there have been 12 reports on how to fix the traffic in Hobart, and neither of them have been implemented, and we're still complaining about the traffic. So, good to see, <laughs> again, in the, the, what, about a year and a bit now that I've not been living there, uh, that it still is, you know, going pretty shit, so... Still fucking Hobart. Still is. But, I mean, four years, a long time in terms of Brink being on Edge Radio. What what have you been up to, Stewie, in those those four years? Besides, of course, hosting your own radio show, because that's what you do in, uh, as a bit of a, a Friday weekly slot now, isn't it? Yeah, Friday every 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 week, yeah. I host uh, Gravitational Waves on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Uh, we've got Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> Download podcast now via it. iTunes. Yep, that's fine. Um, I've become an uncle. I've, um, yeah, I haven't really been doing much other than study radio and work. Well, that's, that's all you need to do, right? Like that's life. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. What are you studying? And what, what is your, um, niece slash nephew called? My niece is called Liana, Mm -hmm. named after some, some chick in Great Game of Thrones or something. Right. Yes, I wouldn't have a clue. Never watched an episode of my life, but okay. Yeah, no, I haven't either. <laughs> oh, where's the two? I tell I've watched. Oh, <laughs> I've watched the first half of the first episode. Right, weren't sold. So I got like twenty-four minutes in, and I'm like, this is too much like Lord of the trying to be like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Lots of walking, basically. <laughs> yeah, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Yeah, federal offence in this country right now for me to bag out Lord of the Rings. I better be careful what I say right now. So, uh, is it not really? No, Lord of the Rings is shit. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm doing a Bachelor of Science. I'm actually moving to on, moving from UTAS to online with Charles Sturt University in Wagga Wagga. Oh, the esteemed Wagga Wagga. Uh, we move. Yes, yes. What, Wagga Wagga in New South Wales. Now, now, what is Wagga Wagga best known for? Because I honestly have no idea besides the fact that uh, it's got it's, a lovely name. It's got the main training basis for the Australian Army and the Australian Air Force. Right. Okay, so I think you told me off air that it's got a population of about 58,000. So what, what 50,000 yes. of those are our armed forces or something like that? Yeah, probably. Right. Now, it's, it's an odd place. Like, you know, where are you going to shove the headquarters for our training? Oh, let's go to Wagga Wagga. Like, it's very Australian, isn't it? Like, yeah, mate, fucking shove them at Wagga Wagga. Shove them out in the middle of butt fuck nowhere. Yep. 
Yep, sounds good. And is that are you about to join the army or something? Is that what you're going to be doing? Well, if I get fit enough over the next few years while I'm doing uni, I might join the air force. Okay, right. Fly, fly around and uh, protect our no, borders. Uh, yeah, but I probably won't be fly- piloting the planes. Oh, will you be painting? Uh, I, 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 I would, I would, I would, I would do stupid shit if I was flying planes. <laughs> I admit that. Well, here you go, ladies and gentlemen of the Air Force of Australia. If you ever need to vouch for Stewie, if he applies in a couple of years' time, listen to this episode and uh, he might have dug himself a hole. Uh, so, okay, studying, uh, moving, um, radio. Te- te- now, I know about your show, Gravitational Waves, Fridays on Edge yeah. Radio, 99.3 FM, Twitter and Facebook, download now via iTunes. Uh, I've been on your show a couple of times, but but tell our tell yeah. our listeners uh, about this. You know, do you do you talk about waves that float? Uh, I mean, what do you do on this show? We talk about science, and it's mainly science news lately. Um, but we're trying to get back into more sort of directed science content, like what what is gravity or what is the sun. <laughs> what is the sun? That's a fun episode. Welcome to Gravitational Waves this week. What is the sun? Yes, well, that's what we're trying to... We're, we're, I'm starting to try and direct things more towards that again, like it was when we first started. And how you've been and doing that been, basically for as long as the brink's almost been off the air. Didn't you start it in about 2015, not long after we ended? 2016. Right, okay. Yeah, started in March 2016, so I've been doing it for three years. Now, did you get the bug from being a host on the brink? Yeah. Oh, yes. look at that. Look at that. Look at the history of our show, starting starting off budding radio stars in Hobart. So, you know, you're welcome, Hobart. Now, Thank you, Ben. Tell, tell us of your <laughs> memories, though, of being on the brink. Because I remember we'd get you in as a guest a couple of times, and I think you and I just had some conversations and you were keen to come in more. So I'm like, well, hey, cool, come on in. And I believe you used to come in every Fridays, essentially, wasn't it? Um, so Yeah, then I sometimes started coming in over Monday as well. You did, or yeah, yeah. Or what are your fond memories of the brink? Well, uh, fond memories of when, we put, of when we put Kevin Bacon up on oh, the wall. Kev. Of when we both joined the Church of Bacon. Yeah, still, still a member, <clears throat> yep. Same, I'm still a member. I'm still Grand Shaman, so <laughs> may the bacon be with you. Yes, peace be thy bacon. <laughs> um, yeah, we just had some great times on the show and talked a lot about everything, I think. Which we, I think it was... is, you know, the incredible thing is, right, you realise that we interviewed Kevin Bacon last year, like we actually got the real Yeah, I realise you <laughs> Kevin Bacon on the, the show. Bacon. Um, so we, his excellency, which was, you know. So I, I am now two degrees away from bacon. You are. I, I mean, I have a Kevin Bacon number now of basically zero. So you, no, yours yeah. would be one because you're here with me. One. So, yeah. Well, m- maybe we should try and get him on Sir Gravitational Waves. Hey, well, you never know. You could talk to him about the, you know, the Oracle <laughs> of Bacon and things like that and kind of, um, yeah, you know, push on. Tell him, hey, come down to Hobie. Now, now you, you obviously were, um, in the studio with some esteemed guests and co-hosts. Uh, you and Dakota yes. used to like butt heads a little bit. Uh, anything you yes, want to talk yes, about, I little thought... Dakota? He's going to be on the show very shortly. So, you know, I thought maybe you might want to talk about your, your bestie. Oh, I think Dakota, I thought Dakota back then was just a little bit of a, a little upstart teenager, you know. Don't hold back. Come of... on, let it loose. I can see it in your face. <laughs> He, he, he just didn't have any very formed opinions, and he was just being an utter teenage fuckwit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times, good times. And I think he just went, tried to went for the sh- go for the shock value too much. The shock value, yes, by saying all those naughty words, basically. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I do remember listening to an episode. I'm thinking. Oh, think you were the one who listened. That's good. Uh, it might have been one of the best of the brinks that you used to do at the end of every we, year. We still do them every year. They still exist. Release a CD. Um, of you, you going off and leaving the studio because Chavril oh, broke up. Chavril, not Chavril. Oh, that was one of my most heartbreaking days. Um, yeah, no, that was a that was a sad day. I, I would there were other times I would feel like leaving the studio, but um, I don't think I would ever let Dakota and control that thing because um, <laughs> let's be honest, we probably would have had like Azio knocking on the door within ten minutes or something along those lines. <laughs> with that, um, I, I enjoyed you were. I think one of our our better forget the lyricers. I think you kind of um, <laughs> you 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 got into that segment really well, and I think you adapted yourself very well. Yeah. Um. I also I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Yeah. That's what happens, you know. We- so. Uh- you, you recently, I believe, came back from the Formula One Grand Prix I in did. Australia. I did in Australia. I was uh, a little bit north of you recently, uh, Australia. You, you've not you've not been to a Grand Prix before, have you? No, I haven't. You... I'm a virgin. Oh, gee. I'm a Grand Prix virgin. You need to jump on a virgin and get yourself to Melbourne. That's a plane. Like, please don't just go to like a school or something like that. <laughs> that would probably be inappropriate. But um, you need to go to Melbourne, <laughs> fly virgin. A great airline, proud sponsors of the Brink, not yet, but they will be after I said that. And go and see a Grand Prix because it's definitely worth it. So what did you make of it? As in the Grand Prix, the race? Like what you, what in general? Do you... What, you, and what, what, what do you make of what's going on in F1 lately with Daniel Ricciardo becoming Renault and the, the Honda engine supposedly performing really well for Red Bull and I think... Renault pulling, pulling the plug on Ricciardo in the race? Well, look... Ricardo has made this decision based on the hope that they will get better. And I think that they have the ability to, but they may have to wait a couple of years until sort of these new regulations come on board in a couple of years. And it, I think, is very, could be very reminiscent of Hamilton's move when he went to Mercedes, uh, if he makes the correct call. And for Honda, look, I think, if anything, it just shows that McLaren had a rubbish car and they just like to blame it on the engine. I'm not saying the engine was brilliant when it first came into Formula 1, but they've obviously developed themselves enough where Red Bull were, you know, okay with getting a Honda on board as opposed to, you know, a couple of years ago. But then Toro Rosso tested it out last year. They did fairly okay. And now they're whacking in the back of a Red Bull, who they still have the greatest designer of all time, you know, Adrian Newey, putting those cars together. And I think that that kind of puts it together in a nice little package. They've got a good driver in Max Verstappen. I'm not a fan of Max Verstappen, but I cannot deny that he's not a very talented and great driver. So, yeah, I think it just it just highlights that McLaren have kind of got a lot more to blame on where they're at right now in Formula One um, and can't just really put it all on Honda. So, yeah, I, I I think Honda are good and I think kind of they've they've shown previously in the past in Formula One that they don't necessarily jump in straight away and win straight away. In the early 2000s, they returned to the sport after a while and it took them a good, uh, it was about five or six years until they got a, got a win. It was about four years until they got podiums. So, we've seen it before with Honda and... Um, yeah, good on them for you know. It's, it's good that we get something a bit, someone, some a different engine, something back into this to kind of get a bit of a challenge. Well, yeah, like I, I mean, Renault 
Formula One champions at one point, mm-hmm. quite a few times. They 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 won quite a few races. Um, I'd like to see BMW come back in. Uh, well, I'm, not, I'm not a big BMW fan, but I would not say no to like. I, I, honestly, I I would be happy to see any of these these you know previous manufacturers come back in the sport. You know, yeah, BMW. I don't, I'm not a fan, but sure, come back in. You know, Toyota, uh, come back in. You know, Porsche, come back in. All these ones from the past. Um, it would be good because I think the more you've got, I mean, you've only got what three engines, four engines in Formula One at the moment, which you know. Yeah, they've got Renault, Ferrari, Mercedes, and, and Honda. Honda. Whereas back, you know, in the day growing up, you know, you'd have eight, nine engines in the sport. So, um. Yeah, look, it, it is kind of how it is, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think as, as fans, we all want to see a, an exciting year. We've got that possibility. Hopefully, Ferrari can pull their fingers out their butts at Bahrain this week and, uh, you know... That's right, you're a Ferrari fan. I am, yes, born with that curse. So, um, <laughs> yes. So, uh, we always manage to turn these into Formula One chats. I like it. It kind yeah, of works. Yeah, anyway, well. sorry. No, no, it's fine. This is the brink. We start on one thing, go to the other. You're used I'd, to this. I'd, I'd like to see... Multiple, return to multiple tyre manufacturers. Oh, absolutely. I completely, completely you know, like agree. Bridgestones and Michelins. And I, I just think that the, with going with only Pirelli, they're not necessarily designing them for the particular cars. They're just designing them basically for the top end. Well, I think a lot of... If you go back into the... Uh, the early to mid two thousands, when you know Michelin came in, and we kind of had the the tire war between Bridgestone and Michelin, you know, it was a very exciting period. Looking back on it now, a lot of people reflect on it and think, "Well, what a great time that was." It's it's always interesting how kind of people reflect on Formula One eras because, as a fan growing up, people were complaining in the early to mid two thousands that the sport was boring, there was no overtaking. And, you know, it's not as good as it was 10 years ago. Here we are now in 2019. People are now looking back at 2007, 2008, going, oh, my God, the sport's boring. Like, it was great 10 years ago. I guarantee you, in 10 years' time, we will have people looking back. Oh, my God, Formula 1 was so fantastic in the mid-2010s. Like, it's, it's, you can never please everyone. But, um, I think at the end of the day, the sport's got to develop. Every sport does. I think Formula 1 is probably the most frequent changer of rules in any sport in the world. I, I can't think of another sport that changes its regulations and s- rules so drastically every two or three years the way Formula One does, um, which can be both good and bad. Uh, but, I mean, this is the thing. We're kind of in that cycle now where we've had these, you know, vast changes for, th- you know, this is the third season since they changed them in 2017, and we're already looking ahead to 2021 now when they change them again. It's kind of like a, you just, yeah, it's <laughs> there's always... You can never get it perfect, apparently. So, well, you know, anyway. the only perfect, the only perfect thing in the world is the brink. Well, that is very true. That is a very good segue, Stewie. I, I like that. I like that. But as I was mentioning before, you you did host twenty episodes, which uh, actually puts you uh, as the tenth most uh, hosted co-host in the history of the show. <laughs> So, you were ninth, but Mallory's kind of joined and she kind of has hosted more just based on this podcast alone. But, uh, you I'm know. just trying to work out who I have to go go around and basically get a hit put on. Well. So I can get to number one. <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> mainly. But uh, you then also have to kind of be on every week to kind of co-host this show a little bit so you can add yourself. as You know, that kind of is a slight little... Uh, 
little thing. You you just on gravitational ways back to that though. Given that you've been since 2016 weekly show, you'd you'd be on to about two two hundred two hundred fifty episodes by now. Do you keep track of your your tallies at all? You know, in the start I did, but I sort of haven't like because I also haven't hosted every week. Some some weeks I've been away. Like there was a month there earlier in the year, basically where I wasn't on. Right. There was Cat was going to host. I was going to ask, is it Cat or is it like Neil deGrasse Tyson? You've got one of these people coming in each week to uh, co-host. Look, uh, that that would be the dream mm-hmm. for him, not for me. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, you know, like he's he's begging you every week to co-host, but you're like, come on, not yet, not yet, Neil. Like, you know, <laughs> come on, just just calm down. Yeah. Um. But yeah, do you have um many guests on? Like, do you sort of and who do you have? Like, kind of what guests do you get on the show? Oh, uh, look, we don't have many guests on lately. We've had some sort of professors from the uni come on, and but th- that gets hard because they don't want us to mention the uni because Edge Radio is not the uni. It's at the uni, but, you know, it's nothing to do with UTAS, so we shouldn't be mentioning UTAS if we're uni students. It's complete and utter bullshit. It's a fine line of how they like to, to run things there, but, um, you know... Uh, you and I were discussing that lovely on lovely stuff off air. Um, yes, I put in a good thirteen odd years at that station, and uh, uh, you know, lots of things happened over those years. Some for the good, mostly for the bad. But hey, that uh, that is how it rolls. And um, yeah, speaking of rolls, here's a random little thing for you before I let you go. Um, Invercargill, the the famously once called the asshole of the world. By Mick Jagger, an actual quote by the Rolling Stones' Mick Jagger. It is actually very well known for a bit of a delicacy here in New Zealand. Uh, it's called the cheese roll. And basically what they do is they get uh, loaves of, like slices of bread and they put kind of like a cheese mixture and they kind of mix up sort of like a savoury kind of, you know, spring onions, uh, normal onions, kind of, you know, you can put whatever you want. And then you kind of, you roll it all up into a tight little, kind of almost like a uh, Swiss roll sponge cake. And then you toast yep. it and uh, Google it. They're like, they sound weird. They are absolutely incredibly delicious. <laughs> so uh, I, I highly recommend a cheese roll for uh, for yourself or anybody out there who ever wants to uh, try an Invercargill delicacy. But maybe you tried putting him up his bum. <laughs> well, you know what Mick Jagger's like, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, you know. I'm not sure Keith Richards is ever going to die. No, well, I mean, gosh, they're, they're, what are they, in their 70s now, aren't they? Oh, they'd have to be. Surely. Yeah. Well, it's actually it's not as shocking, though. The biggest shocking thing when it comes to famous people in their age, Paul Rudd is turning 50 this year. That is not true. <laughs> what? <laughs> actually, fun game on the internet. There's actually a challenge out there if you can find it on certain websites. They put, like, five photos of Paul Rudd from, like, you know, ones from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and whatever. And they basically say, you've got to guess which one he's oldest in. And... You're always going to be wrong. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure he hasn't aged. No, no, that guy is just still in time when it comes to aging. So, well, he was only ever really on the fringes for quite a while, and then he became Ant Man. Well, I think he kind of started doing a few more. Yeah, I mean, he kind of had made it a bit before Ant Man, I think, because he kind of had a few. Like he was in a lot of those Judd Apatow movies, you know, like Forty Year Old Virgin, yeah. Knocked Up, and uh, Loved it. I Love You, Man, and stuff like that. So. But, uh, I mean, look, 
I huge Paul Rudd fan. I mean, I think I first really got familiar with him during Friends when he married Phoebe when he was Mike in Friends. But um, yeah, I mean, God, I think a lot of people probably love him from Clueless, and he had a bunch of those late nineties sort of you know standard rom coms. And but Ant Man, Ant Man to me is the greatest of all the MCU films. That's my favorite by far. Still haven't seen it. Ah, oh, see Ant Man, so good, best one. What do you think? What do you think Endgame is going to be like? I reckon it will be the end of the game. Just... Do you reckon Ant Man was going to go up Thanos's bum? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, what, that's just going to talk on the internet. <laughs> Goes up inside, rips out his uh, just... his intestines one by one. <laughs> well, couldn't he do that though? Couldn't he like go up inside and then expand? And then as he expands, it's like, and then out he goes like alien, like bursting out of the chest. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think he could. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down for that. Why not? Paul yeah. Rudd violating Josh Brolin. That's a, that's an image I'd like to see. You know, it's 2019. I'm open to all things like that. So, who knows? Well, you know. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, thank you for interviewing me for the Brink 2019. You're welcome. And um, thank you for coming wish- on the show again. Any last things you want to say on our 100th episode, our randomest segment? We've gone from this to that and everything else. It's classic Brink. What can we say? Anything you would like to add, send a shout-out, say thank you, say how amazing I am as a person? It's all entirely up to you, Stewie. Ben, you're amazing. Thank you. I know. Um, hang on. I'm going to do this in a particular way. Uh-oh. I'll <coughs> oh, put your penis away. Ben, you're an amazing person. Bigly. Like, Amazing. Like, no one is as amazing as you. I'm going to say Donald Trump there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, based on your face, oh based your facial expressions, purely alone. Robert Mueller exonerated me. <laughs> Stewie, I'm going to exonerate you right now. Thank you for coming on the show once again, and uh, we'll have to get you back on again at some point in the future. Yes. Yes, I would love to be back on. This person is 15 years old. He is called Dakota, and he's on the show. Hello, Dakota. Welcome back to The Brink. Hi, I'm actually 20 now. Oh, shit. Wow. Quarter, it's quarter five, of your life. It's been life. five years since I was first on The Brink. I know. Two th- it has, actually. I'm yeah. looking at your stats here. 2014 was your first year as a, yeah. a co-host. 86 episodes five, you co-hosted. fucking years. You yep. old little bastard. Uh, how are I you, know. Dakota? I haven't talked to you in like a year or I so. I am. I'm pretty good. Yeah? Pretty good. Pretty good? Cruising along. Cruising, Cruising along. along. As a 20-year-old? Yeah. That's, that, that's insane. Yeah. Wow. It is, isn't it? How... I'll be 21 soon. 21. Your birthday's October, is yeah. it not? November. Oh, I was close. I was close. Mm. So you're... Do you, do you refer to yourself as 20, though, rather than 20 to hang on to your teenage years? Um, no. <laughs> right, that must be something. I can't, I can't say I do. The kids did that when I was 20, or maybe <laughs> I just did. Um, but it's okay. it's a pleasure to have you back on, because we used to have you on pretty much yes. every week on the podcast. But Every morning, yeah. Yeah, on the morning, then the podcast, and I yeah, moved, yeah. you didn't move, and I just forgot about you, apparently. <laughs> but, um... Oh, fucking... <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> Sorry, it happened. How how's how's you yeah. though? What's what's been happening in the world of Dakota um, since we last spoke? Uh, not a lot. Just uniing and still at uni. Yep, that's it. That's really it. That's all I am. You would be close to graduating, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, this is my last year. Oh, really? Wow. And you yeah. still doing? No, you're not doing journalism anymore, are you? What are you doing? No, I'm 
doing history. History, that's right. Okay. Different thing, yeah. Right, and and how's that going for you? It's yeah, it's going. Yeah. What particularly? Right. What particularly are you going to try and get out of a history degree? Like, what um, what does one go to get work out of a history degree? Uh probably teaching. Teaching. There's a whole whole bunch of things you can get into because you can like the government hire people and the councils hire people and all that kind of thing. Like, right. Okay. So like, especially like you can get you can have like a job where you like decide whether a building is heritage listed or not. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Which yeah, and so you, sounds pretty easy to do. To be so is that what like what do you do? Do you just look at a building and go heritage and not heritage? Is that it? Like you just got a sixth sense about these things? Probably. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. Wow. I, I guess so. I guess. I guess you do. You might need to say you need a little bit longer to learn that, perhaps. Ah, <clears throat> uh. uh, maybe. Yeah. Today we're going to teach you how to look at buildings. And... Possibly. Possibly. And rate them. Yeah, and rate them. That would work very well. Yeah. So, what out of your 86 appearances, as in when we we're in the radio studio, and obviously a few more on yes. this podcast, what, what are you? What are some of your memories that you had over the years? Um, just a bunch of assholes ripping into me, really. <laughs> who are who are your least favourite assholes that ripped into you? I, I've talked to Stewie already um, on this episode to try and get some opinions. Oh, that's Stuart. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, he was an alright guy. He, he he's fine. Yeah. Okay. Actually, ah, oh, I bloody went into. He's a bouncer now. Yes. Apparently. Yes. And he wouldn't let me into preachers one night. Oh. Why? And I hadn't had because he said I was too drunk, <laughs> and I hadn't had hadn't had anything to drink. Wow! I think not he just doesn't muscle. like you. I think he just doesn't. Obviously, like you. obviously not. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, he was with someone else, and the other guy's like, "No, he's fine." And like she was like, "No, he's too drunk." I'm like, <laughs> "I haven't had a single bit of alcohol." Well, well, you know how you get you get revenge on him. You when you can like do your shit about that's heritage or not. Go around to his house and, like, he wants to build a, I don't know, like a, a garden gazebo or something. But like, not heritage, can't touch it. Fuck right. off. <laughs> yeah, I will. All right. Easy. That's how you fix it. Too easy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Done. Simple. Done. Now, Done. Th- you, you, were one, yeah. you were one who got involved in pretty much anything we did. Like, we obviously had you sort of as a, an intern, but then, you know, you came on board. But, like, you know, you were one who was very active on yep. forget the lyrics, things like that. Did you did you enjoy kind yes. of getting active in these segments and putting your voice out there and being a little active decoder around the place? No. No. Okay. That's... <laughs> It was torture. I hated you. Uh, hashtag yeah. me too. You abused me. Uh, that's what you're trying to say, isn't yeah. it? Yes. Yes. Wow. That that really hurts my feelings. You had to have some fun on the show, didn't you? No. No. I mean, I forced you to come in every at gunpoint, clearly, it sounds like. No, I hated it. It was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> Why haven't you started your own show on Edge Radio? They look like they need a bit of help at the um, moment. Because they're idiots. <laughs> Is that does that does that suit it for you? Is that good enough for yeah, you? Yeah, no, or? that works. That works. I'll, yeah, it's too easy. I'll give you that. Um, yeah, you know, you know what they're like. Yeah, yeah, just slightly. You know, only thirteen odd years there, so just just a little bit. So, um, you you went to the Grand Prix recently? Did you not? I did go to the Grand Prix. It was. Did, it wasn't as exciting as it could have been. No. Did you even post anything on social media? To me, it did not seem like you were even there at no, all. No, because because I discovered that. Um, 
like all the people who actually give a shit are already there. Right. So, so no point. There wasn't really any point. Uh, that's a bit of a shame then. Oh, so you weren't happy with you're not a Mercedes. You jumped off the Mercedes bandwagon now, haven't you? I did. I jumped off the Mercedes and onto the Renault. Did you bandwagon? Did you buy yourself like a Ricardo hat and the the shirt that everyone was wearing? I just brought the the Renault shirt. I didn't buy anything Ricardo specific. Thank Christ. <laughs> you not, not too keen that he's uh, that you've jumped on the right bandwagon here. Hey. You're not you're not too keen that you've jumped on the right bandwagon. There might be another bandwagon you need to jump oh. on. I reckon I have jumped on the right one in a couple of years. Oh, get on the stroll train. Come on, get on this racing point, little pink panther. Come on. No, they're not going anywhere. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. I, 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 I always want to make a bet with you about that, but I think you're right, so I'm not gonna make a bet with you about yeah. that. Um, they're gonna stay in the exact same position for the whole of everything. Now, you're, you're about to, uh, I believe, go to the pub. You're turning into a little bit of an alcoholic, it sounds like. Yes, I am. Two nights in a row, um, you're going look, to the pub here to look, go to I, the Look, I won't say that. No, I And can't. I also won't tell you that I've been every night this week. Now, is this, is this just a, like a social thing? Are you trying to pick up? Are you just got some money? You're an um, alcoholic? What's going on here? All four. All four. <laughs> okay. Yep. How is the, uh, the, the dating front going? You had a girlfriend last time we spoke. Is that still um, a thing? No, oh. she hasn't been a thing for a while, for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. Very sad. Okay. Well, keep yeah. swiping right. You might meet someone eventually. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure I will. I'm yeah. sure I will. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anything else you want? Your dating life. Your dating life's obviously going well. Oh, it's it's doing okay. You know. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's getting I'd say there. So. Yeah. You know, it's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to buy a ring for these things sometimes, but... Um, well, you don't, you don't have to. Well, you know, if you want to, if you want to. If you want to move to Canada, you kind of do. It's kind of, you know, like helps the cause. Oh, you move, are you moving to Canada? I am, yes, in about 18 or so oh. months. So just, you know... Yeah, yes, right. Yeah, just got to get those maple syrup veins flowing and all that sort of stuff so you know oh yes yeah uh, yeah the maple syrup veins yeah indeed now now what 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 you're about to catch a bus is this like what the the yep. x1 does that still exist it's been a long time since i've caught a bus in no Florida. it's the uh the 511 oh the 511 they've got three numbers now on metro buses holy crap Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? Wow, gosh. I remember back in the, the day I'd catch... the bus fares have gone up. Oh, how much are they now? Not a dollar twenty anymore for a concession? Oh, they're basically like 50 bucks. 50 bucks? Catch an Uber for yeah, that. Yeah, basically. Right, exactly. <laughs> I caught an Uber once in Hobart, and now we got talking to this guy, and basically was calling all Australians racist. It was a fun time. We are. Well, it was true. You know, yeah, I can't yeah. deny it. Um, I'm living in New Zealand now, exactly. so that's why. I'm just yeah. sick of the racist Australians, you know, yeah. going against that. Of course, yeah, bloody Australians. Um, before I let you go, because I know you've got to catch a bus, I know you've got to get yep. to a pub, you've got to be a very okay. busy man. Um, I just thought yep. I would try one thing before I let you go to see if this still works. You know what makes me angry? What makes you angry? That you're man? catching a bus and you're about to end this segment. Well, I don't have to. No, well, it's true. But you, you meant to say, you know, it makes yeah. me angry, but so, it doesn't work anymore, it seems. Oh, do you, do you know, Ben, <laughs> what makes me angry? I want you to shout it. I want you there in Chigwell to shout it at the top of your lungs to see if you will get stabbed. I, I cannot. <laughs> what makes is, you angry, that is something Dakota? I am not willing to do that. <laughs> unless, you, unless you want to wait two minutes and I'll do it on the bar. <laughs> sure, that would go down even well. Um, I'm sure it would. Yeah, I just I'll get on the bus. I'm like, you know what makes me angry, Ben? Bus drivers. <laughs> yeah, <they're> fucking <laughs> shit. Bus drivers. <laughs> they're always assholes. They never smile at you. They just 
bastards. <laughs> they always want more money, so they always go on strike. That's right, they went on strike recently, didn't they? They did. Jesus oh, Christ, what are they complaining about? They're, oh, just, they're worse than well, bouncers. They're worse than Stewie's mob. My bus, my bus, is, my bus is currently approaching me. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go and catch so, that bus. I'm about to get on it. Or did we... Like I'm um, like two seconds. All right, hang you're on. gonna have to sit. You're gonna have to sit through it. You're gonna have to sit through okay, it. Okay, well, so I'm sorry. Let you go, but I want to hear this. I want to hear this. Well, interaction. I'm so sorry. You're gonna have to sit through it. Okay, hang on. G'day, mate. Can I just get two dollars on my card, thanks? No. Oh, this is amazing. I've always wanted to talk to someone. Cool. To thanks, mate. Us. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Yeah, what's the name? What's the name? Oh, that yeah. was just <laughs> groundbreaking podcasting yeah, right here, was... right now. It? 100 yeah. episodes of this I podcast, 800 episodes of The Brink. My God, we've created new ground. Yeah, I, I'm so sorry. I couldn't have waited any, any like, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't have not got on the bus. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> Before it's you say goodbye. Kind of like that. Well, I'm going to say goodbye to you now. Yeah. Are you on the back seat of your backseat bogan right okay. now, or what are you doing? Um, no, I'm sort of like middle, oh. middle sort of, just, just as it rises up. The mid-class like, mall. Yeah, no, I see what it yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Enjoy your evening me, at the pub. Me. Thank you for joining us on this episode, I and we'll shall. have to get you back on in a proper cool. capacity at some point in the future. Cool, 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 cool. No doubt, no doubt. Celebrating 100 episodes. You've heard me say that so many times throughout this episode, and we have to celebrate with one man because he is the main man, the man of the man of the man-man. Uh, you only heard it from him a couple of weeks ago when we were with him in Melbourne, but this time around, he's in Australia and I'm not. Uh, it is, of course, Samuel McCrossan. Sam, welcome back to the show. Hello, Ben. It's great to be here. I think this is the first time I've ever done a podcast from another country, which is pretty cool. Um, I guess it's probably dark where you are, but it's light here. It's, do you want to see outside? I, well, I would. Obviously, the listeners can't see, can but, you... Uh, but you can. <laughs> oh, there it is. It is light. Can you see outside my window? It is a bit dark at the moment. And it is dark. Yeah. Remarkable. So not, uh, not only are we in different countries, we are um, actually uh, in different times of the day. We are. Well, I'm speaking to you from the future. I'm two hours into you in the future. So uh, what do you want to know? Do you want to know the footy scores right now? Oh, actually, I'm looking forward to the footy. So, um, it's uh, Collingwood and Richmond coming up. Counter-tags! I guess you're at about half-time. Yeah, nearly. God, oh, it's a good game. You should be watching it. It's incredible. It's really, really, really good. Well, I'm looking forward to what's the score? What's the score at oh, half-time? Tigers are up by 87 points. It's fantastic. 87? 87 oh, you beauty. points. You watch if that actually happens. You'll be going, holy shit, Ben. Like, you know... Yeah, oh, no, oh. You know what's you know See, there are movies made about this sort of stuff. There will be. There are. Yes, exactly. Um you you co hosted eighty four episodes of the brink when we were on radio. Eighty four episodes. You're only behind myself, Josh, Anthony and Dakota. Uh, but you did it over a little bit more of a, a spread, of course, because you generally come in on a Friday. Uh, do, do you remember your very first appearance on the show, Sam? Uh, I can't recall. I remember my first time on the qualifying lap. Mm. The the more serious version of our radio exploits, of course. Yes, I remember talking about Sergio Perez. Yes. He'd just been, he'd just been um, announced mm. as Sauer. But, uh, I'm not sure I can actually remember the... First sprint. Can't remember. Yeah, I I think you came on a couple of times as just as a guest from memory, and I remember you came yeah. in once with my mum. I'm not sure if you were a co-host at that point, and we um, I think we had to play that one word game where we went around the studio and we kind of had to say a word each, and you had to try and you know flow a sentence going on for a while. But um, 
Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wish I could remember to your first appearance, but you, you, I mean, you became part of the furniture pretty quickly, Sam, let's be honest. Did, did, did. Good memories, good memories. What are some of those good memories? What, what were some of the, the best memories that you had in, in the studio? Oh, well, the, the 300th episode always stands out. Yep. Because we had the baked pancake. Oh, good, had good times. Lots of, lots of people there and, um, you know, politicians and things like that. So that was cool. Uh, what else? Um, I think I think um, we had a few memorable guests on. I think we had. Um, it has, I've got a little child coming in. We've with got me. one memorable but, guest um, right now. Who have we got? Uh, all right. Well, we've got Hillary and Hazel. Here. Oh, we have both got them. Hello. Who's this? Hello. How's it going? Good. That's good. What are you What are you up to? Are you fighting with your sister? <laughs> yeah, they've been fighting. They've been fighting. They've been fighting over things. a big red chair. A red chair. Oh. It's orange. It's oh, oh sorry. Okay, well, we're it's fighting orange. over the colour. Mm, okay. Well, yeah. you have fun fighting over that chair. I remember Hillary's mem- memorable appearances on this show when she was uh, interviewing you about things. That was always fun when we would have those podcasts sitting in your uh, beautiful little den. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yep. Now you were you were about to mention times. memorable guests. Who who were some of your memorable guests that we had in the studio? Okay. Well, I'll always remember the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. We had uh, the first time we had Jason Crazier, mm-hmm. um, Ben Lachlan, who yep. was a prickly character, wasn't he? Yeah, didn't like me calling him Peter Siddle. He didn't. He didn't. And John O. Wells. Yeah. Which. Uh, I kept talking about his rig. Yep, he did. Yep, yep. And the Nando was that he's, when we were talking about Rana and the Nando yeah. sauce as well. It was, was, it was. Um, other memorable guests. Who else did we have in the studio? We had we had Evan Gorbus. Mm-hmm. Kimi Raikkonen. He came in with Aidan Blizzard, which so I think Aidan Blizzard was probably the nicest guest we ever had. He was a good fella. That's a good one. Were you there for? Cam Boyce, because uh, I don't think you were there for Ben Dunk, no. but um, miss both of those guys. Uh, okay, no, Ben Dunk was a good one because because that was when he was kind of I think just coming off the back of his uh, Player of the Season, I think too. So he was kind of a bit of a coup for us to get there, but that was good. We used to get the Hurricanes, and that was fun. And we used to then go along to the games and do the commentary and uh, do the interviews after the game, and they were good good times. They were good times. Um. Uh, there were good times at the Formula One too. Oh yeah, and that was um, I. I remember that first year that you came along and you got your media pass and and you were stoked. You're like, wow, I've got one of these. And of course, I was still a little bit miffed, of course, that I wasn't getting the full one that uh, we got, of course, in yeah. Malaysia about a year later. But uh, they were good times. And you and I were talking a little bit about that. I think at the Grand Prix last week, where you know we made the most of it. We we didn't get the full passes, but we were interviewing the celebrities in the celebrity races and kind of just walking around and getting random chats and, um, yeah, fun times. I mean, gosh, that, that celebrity press conference, like, we were the only ones there. <laughs> no one else was there. and We just basically had the run of the yeah. floor. Certainly it was good times. Uh, yeah, I'll never, 
never forget those little pieces of plastic. I've souvenired them all. Mm. I particular fondness I used to enjoy every year was when we would go to the cricket, and um, it was generally the internationals that we would press record, like in the uh, the boon stand, and just do a lap and just talk to anybody who would come up to us and. The, the characters that we had. Remember the time when we were on the hill uh, during that India-Sri Lanka match and we got involved in the, uh, the chants with all those Indian fans? That was that was a fun night. That was a fun night. That um, They were a rowdy bunch. It, uh, they, were, they were very happy. I, I actually remember the game that night. Oh. India had to win, had to get, was it something like 330 or something that was set by Sri Lanka. They had to get it within 40 overs, mm-hmm. which was unheard of. And they did it. Yeah. Coley went ballistic, and that was when he wasn't really even well-known, I think. He was kind of only new at the time, and that might have been the best game I think I might have even ever seen at Bell Reeve. That was, that was a great match. And, yeah, because they, they, they were aiming... Yeah. That would have been the last time they had the tri-series, wasn't it? Because they were aiming to get the bonus point to make the final, and that's why they had to get it within yes. 40 overs, and they did it. That's right. Yeah, I think that was the last year they had the tri-series. And uh, we went into the press conference after the match, <laughs> and Virat Kohli was up, and we had this guy, Indian fella called Ramnik. Ramnik, yes. I don't know what happened to Ramnik, but but we had him with us, and some some journalist asked a question. What was the question? I can't remember. What oh, it was. yeah, I can't remember what it was either. It, it, you know, it was something simple like you know. How does it feel to make a hundred in Hobart or whatever, whatever, something like that? And Remnick obviously wasn't listening because, oh, poor old Virat went to the uh, trouble of um, giving his one or two minute answer, and then uh, old Remnick dishes up the exact same question, <laughs> and poor old really threw poor old Virat, didn't he? He didn't know what to do. <laughs> and that was afterwards. Um, I think you'd left, and uh, of course Remnick just. Great guy, but I don't think he knew the etiquette or anything involved when it came to like being involved in one of these situations. Because as soon as it happens, and generally how it works when you're in a press conference and you're a member of the media, you know, yeah, you can be a bit starstruck and yeah, cool, I want to meet this person, but you're generally like, okay, now's not the place to go up and get a selfie because it's kind of like, okay, no, it's not. But that didn't stop little old Ramnick going up and being like, oh, Ben, you know, get my picture with Virat Kohli. And I'm like, oh, fuck, we're not meant to, but why not? So he did, and I just was like, oh, I may as well too. I had no clue who this guy was. I had no idea who Virat Kohli was in, what, like 2011, whatever year that was. And now he's gone on to basically be the next Sachin Tendulkar. So, you know, lucky I've got that photo on my, my little portfolio there, I think. There you go. He's like the Sir Donald Bradman of his day, mm. old Birat Kohli. So yeah. Pretty valuable photo you got there. So good on old Ramnick for making that happen. Indeed. indeed. Speaking of Sir Donald. Yes. I don't think I'm sure I've ever told this story, but my my great auntie passed away about oh, probably about two years ago now. And she she was well into her 90s. And she used to share a birthday with Sir Donald Bradman. Oh. And when she was a little girl, she wrote to Sir Donald. Mm-hmm. And I said, and she, she wrote him a card and said, um, happy, happy birthday, Sir Donald, uh, we share a birthday. And um, Sir Donald actually wrote back to her. Oh. And also wished her a happy birthday. Oh, fantastic. And then wished her a happy birthday every every year uh, thereafter. Oh, really? So she got a letter every year from Sir Donald Bradman? That's right. Send wow. a card every year. Fantastic. Oh, well, there you go. That's Pretty a nice well. little story. Very nice story. I did not know that. That is nice. Yeah, that'd be worth a fair bit now, I think, some of those, wouldn't they? 
Well, so someone in the family's got them. Mm. I speaking of uh, being in cricket and being in media centres, um, you would uh, you was when I was asking about like memorable times in studio. You know, can't go past the time you farted in studio, and that was quite funny and made it to air. But um, I, I. <laughs> Very sure. Sure about that. I remember the time when we were. I think it was the test match we were at, and it was the most, the busiest it had been in a in a media box I think ever at Bell Reeve, and we were sitting up in the back corner because usually we'd get the front table, but you know we just we had to get a back corner table. We had that Sri Lankan journalist in front of us who let rip right in front of us, and you and I could not stop laughing. And we were trying to keep it in control because it wasn't just a case of smelling it. We heard the fart. That's right. Thanks for refreshing my memory. He was a grub. Yeah, he was. He was a grub. But but speaking of grub, they put on some good food when those international ones were on because when the Hurricanes came on, they gave us a box of like cat meat or something like that. Remember? That is a that's a beautiful segue. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the best commentaries we ever did was when we were in the box there with Josh, and we spent I think a good portion of the last quarter of that innings trying to work out what the meat is. What's the mystery meat in this box? And I think it was you or Josh were like cat. <laughs> it might have been Josh yeah. Cat Cat Yeah I still don't know What that meat was No No I don't think My digestive system Does either After all these years But um, no. Yeah Good times And actually One of the, the best Little periods I remember I think In the history Of the brink was um, just when Josh had come back and just before he left again, you know, we, we had a great time. It was the early parts of 2012 when there was all three of us. So I think that was when we were a weekly show. We hadn't quite gone to the five-day-a-week yet. And we, I think, probably were at the peak of our our powers then because, you know, we did a pretty slick advertising campaign with us in the suits and the purple background. And we uh, we had some pretty good forget-the-lyrics going on around then. And we also did that fun little Brink Olympics and uh, particular standout, the hooning, when we uh, drove around with that little game that you and Stewie used to play. So uh, probably out of, you know, the... What were we on air for? You know, just on 10 years um, as the Brink. And, you know, I was on there for about 13, just, you know, various shows. But that's probably... My most memorable period of doing the show was with you and Sam in that little period because I think we were on point at that period of the time. That, that that were the days. That were the golden days of the show. Golden days. Yes, and certainly that that hooning was. They were they were golden days too. One of our favourite things was to um, pull up next to the taxis in <laughs> um, in Liverpool Street or Collins Street, one of the two. And um, we would pull, pull up next to them with the open window, passenger, and we'd say, uh, hello, Mr. Taxi Driver. Uh, <laughs> how do we get to the such and such, like you know, the casino or whatever it was? And as soon as, as soon as they start to tell you, you just drive off. <laughs> <laughs> and you look back and they're pointing <laughs> Loved it. Oh, funny, funny, funny. I just, I just love the, the. It's such a simple game, you know. Like, okay, you've got sixty seconds or whatever it was, <laughs> and you've got to, you know, try and get uh, as many people to acknowledge you. So the name is Carlos. You know, driving down the street, Carlos, how you going? And then you know, Lost. just didn't get it. And then the names got trickier and trickier. So it would be like, you know, uh, you know, in Inzaman, Inzaman, how you going? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I didn't know there were so many Inzamams in Hobart. Yeah, well, <laughs> apparently. Uh, you probably, shout out the window and wave Inzamam. Probably be even more. You get a lot of responses. Yeah. Uh, you, of course, yeah. had some very good friends, though, too, Sam. Uh, you know, you used to always be the person if we wanted to talk to the Sarge. 
Uh, we had Random Beef Man. Uh, we had Toyota Hilux. I think that was the same guy, wasn't it? Uh, Max guy, yes. Max Walker. Of course, you drove Max Walker in your car as well. So did actually, yeah, yeah. When you talk about memorable Brink memories, that's probably number one, actually. Max Walker that, in your that car. Was cool. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. did you make friends with all these people? How did you make friends with yeah. the Sarge and people like that? How do you come across these people? Uh, how do I come across them? Don't know. Don't know. Just, just meet these people. Yeah. Think they'd be good on radio? Just meet them. Meet them in bars, back alleys, <laughs> you know, weird spots on the domain. <laughs> wow. That's really back alleys. Um you don't want to, yeah. you know, go there after certain hours. Uh, that, that's where the Sarge was all the time, though, wasn't he? Uh, he, used, he used to be doing a fair bit, his, fair bit of his best work up on the domain. Mm, I bet, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved the domain. Yeah. Uh, I mean, any any other sort of uh, tidbits that you you think that you can kind of, you know, from those, those times that you want to mention at all? Gee whiz, well... There were some other events we went through, went to as part of the brink. Mm-hmm. Did the tennis for a few years. We did. Pretty good. Yep. Love rating the, the soft drink fridge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Free food. You loved the uh, soccer when else? we did that, of course, didn't you? You'd be back every year for the... Uh... Actually, that, that, was one of the, that was one of the low lights. <laughs> going to the soccer between Ogles. Yeah, not a game I'm very fond of. Yeah, I think we lasted about half an hour. <laughs> yeah, that one that one goes in in one of the one of the downsides, <laughs> one of the disappointments. The what, soccer. What's some of the other ones? I mean, the, you um, how we I think got involved in the ice hockey was kind of you know we did a couple of grand finals in a row before sort of uh, we took a more weekly approach of that. But um, you know, it's it's interesting because I don't think you've done the you stop doing the ice hockey with me, but I would go back and listen to some of those commentaries. I think before we took it a little bit more seriously, some of, some of, I think your best work was definitely those ice hockey commentaries when you'd be talking about the different, you know, oh, he's got a good sausage and there's his Savaloy and oh, that's called a hot dog, Ben, and things like that. Like, you were on point for those ones, I think. Yeah, well, when when you know nothing about the game, Ben, you've got to... <laughs> <laughs> you got to come up uh, with, with something, don't you? Well, that was the case too when we did things like Gaelic football. Uh, obviously, you know a little bit about Gaelic football. but uh, And even my dad's last ever game of uh, field hockey, I remember us doing. And we spent a good portion of the game talking about there's not many bearded players on the pitch. And uh, that was preventing, uh, I think, my dad's team at the time from going on to win that game. Did we? Gee whiz. Yeah, I can barely remember that, actually. <laughs> um I should go back and give it a listen sometime. You should. Yeah, we'll have a listen to that yeah, episode. I remember. Yeah. I think my brother might have been there. He was. Yeah. You know, your brother did come to that one. I do remember that. And then the Gaelic football, was your brother there for that one as well? Uh, well, he would have been, yeah, because mm. he would have been playing too. Oh, right, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you shaved your head yeah. too? That's something that you turned out that you weren't too keen on when we did the greatest shave. That's right. Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah, you know I'm all for charity, but uh, <laughs> that one that one I kind of regretted, you know, shortly after. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't great. It wasn't great. But we we interviewed uh, the prime minister. We did, yes, as well as uh, do you remember the Tony Abbott one as well? Because I think you were there for both the Tony Abbott ones, weren't you? Or were you just there for the uh, one that actually went to no. air? <laughs> I think I was only there for the the, the, 
the second Tony Abbott one. Yeah, the one that went to air, the one that we didn't uh, not not record. So that was good. Yeah, well, we we had a pretty good run, I think. Uh, you got uh, it wasn't pro- it wasn't premiere at the time, but we've got that photo of old Willie Hodgman wearing a mullet wig. So uh, you know that's kind of good. Yeah. David Bartlett as well. It led us eventually to uh, getting an inv- sneaky invite to DB's fiftieth party, which was uh, quite memorable. Lots of uh, good free food that's at that right. night. So that's right. Living the yeah. life, Sam. Good run. Good run. Good run. Yes. Was this supposed to be a a, a, a a look back through time episode? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're celebrating our hundred podcast episode, so why not? So I think it kind of. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what what about the future then? Um, would you like to talk about anything else while we're here? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, uh, we'll what is, what is the future? I I don't know. Well, it's it's two hours ahead here in New Zealand, as I said. Saint, uh, the Tigers are eighty-seven points up. You must actually just on the topic of footy. Um, you know, pretty good game. Your cats got over the line against the the magpies. You must have been pretty happy about that. Oh well, as you know, Ben, I'm a I'm a Gary Ablett supporter. Mm-hmm. The rest of the team can get stuffed. You know, <laughs> you That's know. it. <laughs> I'm just, I just I'm a just, I'm a Gary man. I yeah. love Gary. So when Gary retires, what what what's the plan? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Gary Ablett's got a son now, so, you know. Gary Ablett Jr. Jr. Uh, Gary Jr. Jr. when he grows up. Well, I mean, I also think you must have been pretty disappointed on the flip side because your beloved cat sadly didn't make the AFL Women's Grand Final. They got beaten by the Crows in the preliminary final, so I'm sure you were watching that avidly. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I was, I was <laughs> devastated when they lost, Ben. <laughs> Yes. Still not over it? Not really. <laughs> not really. Not really. I did see the score about two days later. Mm. And I saw, that, I saw that they'd lost. It was something like 87 to 7 or something. Yeah, something like that. And basically, I was checking the score all day. And I don't think the Cats scored until like halfway through the fourth quarter. So they very much only had a golden duck. Um, so, you know, and it could have been a Colton Geelong grand final. Could have been a repent of 95 because, Sam, I'm excited because Colton are in a grand final. It's only the women's, but still we're in a grand final. <laughs> Very good. What, how will you celebrate if they win? Um, don't know. Probably put a social media post on and that's about it. <laughs> Very good. Very yeah. good. And uh, what's the AFL coverage like in New Zealand? Uh, I don't think they really care about it until the final start. Um, I think they one of the free-to-air ones here I think might show like a weekly game. I don't know which one it is, and I think they might show the rest on pay TV. But uh, I'm paying like a monthly subscription of like 30 bucks, and I can just basically watch Fox footy. So it's kind of got like a AFL international thing that you can sign up for. So uh, sadly, Telstra doesn't stretch out over to New Zealand. You think they would, but they don't. So yeah, yeah. That's that's about it. So I got to watch the uh, you know watch Carlton you know put in good two two quarters last week and do the usual. And um, speaking of which, I can see on your television old uh, is that Jack? Am I seeing? And that's Rancy. It was Jack. It was Jack Rewalt. Oh, little Jackie Rewalt. Who are you who are you picking in this game, Sam? Who you who do you want to win? Well, oh well, I want the Tigers to win. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll say I think they will win. But I still remember last year's preliminary final when mm. Collingwood stunned everyone and rammed them. They did. That was just out of nowhere, wasn't it? 
was, yeah, yeah, well, they really came from behind and rammed them. <laughs> it got right up in there. Well, actually, yeah. one of the, the best yeah. one of the best live games of AFL I ever went to was uh, 2016. I went to a Collingwood Richmond game, and um, Richmond were about I think 30, 25 points up with about six or seven minutes to go. And basically, all the Collingwood supporters were leaving, and Collingwood got up and kicked a goal within the last uh, I think it was ten seconds to win the game. So yeah, that was a pretty good game I went to. That's right. I, I remember watching that one on television. Mm. One of the one of the unforgettable, really an unforgettable game. And, uh, yeah, apparently there were Collingwood supporters at Richmond train station oh. waiting for trains. Yeah, you could see it. Who, like, a, uh, Yeah. Yeah, who ended pretty stunned. Because I was actually at that game. Uh, I was with a Collingwood, fr- like a friend who's a big Collingwood supporter, and he got me a pass to go into the members bar at the MCG. So we were watching it in there with all, like, you know, and we, you could see them. Like, I think Richmond kicked a goal to go up, like whatever it was, 30 points with six or seven minutes to go, and you just see them. You get to see all the Collingwood supporters just leaving. And I'm like, oh, God, when are we at a Carlton game? This is what Carlton supporters do. Um, but, yeah. yeah, no, it was it was crazy. I'd never been in a game quite like that before. Yeah, unforgettable, that one. And, in fact, they're just showing highlights of it on television. Oh, well, there you go. All right. Well, I know you want to watch the game, so I'm going to let you go to watch it. But, Sam, yeah. thank you. It's a pleasure to have you back here on the 100 podcast. And we are planning on... Getting you on a bit more frequently, I think, in the in the future moving forward, not just on this show, but as we kind of reboot and rejig the qualifying lap as well because uh, always lots going on in the world of Formula 1 that you and I need to talk about. And uh, get on the Mick Schumacher train, Sam, as he gets and tests a Formula 1 or two Formula 1 cars next week. Oh, well, I am. I am on the Mick Schumacher train, though. I have to admit to some disappointment, Ben, that he's... Uh, Signed up with uh, with the Ferrari team. You know that uh, that's sort of my uh, not my favourite team, regarded as the Hawthorne of the Formula One. But, uh, Bad call. No, I'm right behind him. Yeah, I'm right behind him. All right. Well, we'll you get behind him. Then. Get behind the Tigers, and thank you for joining us, Samuel. Oh well, thank you very much for having me, Ben. Good to be back. Hundred episodes of podcast means a hundred episodes of Canadians. Not really. He has been on that many times, but he's been on <laughs> enough to warrant an appearance on our hundredth podcast episode. It's Colin Hilding. Colin, welcome back to the program. Oh, I'm honored to be here for I don't know at least twenty of a hundred <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Two weeks in a row as well. It's like it's yeah, you know. <laughs> What's going on here? Um, you, I think, have... Breaking new ground. You, you are. We are, yes. Um, you have, speaking of breaking things, you have breaking news, apparently. You have something to yeah. talk about this week. I have no idea what you're about to say, but say it. Well, I just happened to stumble across this story, and I'd love to say that all the credit's Canada, but I guess this is something that Canada's just adopting now. So I'm going to read you select bits, almost verbatim, from this article I read today. So did you know... That Canada's dog population is booming, growing from 7.6 million to 8.2 million in 2018. I didn't know uh, that. There's a big problem. Owners are not picking up their dog waste. Oh. Statistics prove it. <laughs> Pet owners only picked up after their dogs slightly more than 60% of the times, and those who don't pick up frequently lie about it and say they did. <laughs> That's where Poop Prince comes in. The dog DNA registration program for apartment and condominium communities. <laughs> what? It's designed to keep pet owners accountable. 
Owners use cheek swabs to collect DNA from the mouth of their dogs that will then be sent to the Poo Prince DNA World Pet Registry, a comprehensive database that stores, catalogs, and manages pet information for a specific property. So if a delinquent dog owner leaves their pet poo behind, condominium apartments can test the unscooped waste and precisely match it to the pet and parent. <laughs> And then do what? This is Go on like a doing. vigilante revenge mission of like, I stepped in your what? dog poo. I know where you live. I will find you. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess what they're saying is that there's, you know, apartment complex like for the next 48 hours, you know, or maybe 36 hours. Jamie and I live in an apartment. Um, let's say we move in here and we have a pet. What happens is they write it into your lease where if you have a pet, you have to submit the DNA of your dog. <laughs> And then if there's poo anywhere around the property, they will scoop it up, send it off to Poo Prince, which is headquartered in Tennessee, I believe it is. They will have their team of scientific experts run the DNA of your dog against their database and then get back to you and say it was Colin and Jamie's dog and they didn't clean up the poo. Um, and apparently people will be fined 150 to $350 depending on the, the policy of the apartment complex. Wow. As if cataloging and running <laughs> DNA tests did not far exceed a $150 fine. I don't know how this is actually a thing. Well, I, I really would like to know that in this day and age when we've got all this technology at our disposal, you know, we're getting closer and closer to, you know, curing cancer and curing other diseases and making things like such a better life for human beings as our, you know, age expectancy grows every year, that there's legitimately people out there who think, hmm, what can we use our technology for? I don't know. Finding the DNA of dog shit so that I don't tread in it every time I walk outside my door every morning. Like, this is ridiculous. I mean, I, 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 well, there's another podcast I listen to aside from this one. Um, the Oz Network, of it, course. I've been listening to, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and aside from that, um, it's it's called Monster, and I guess every single season they'll profile like a serial killer case, and they're doing the Zodiac Killer, and one of the episodes was talking about DNA profiling, and you know how uh, it's it's reached point what started as. You know, you submit a vial full of your own spit and then they'll run that against registries and then tell you you were related to, you know, count whatever from <laughs> Lithuania, you know, 200 years ago. And that's evolved into, well, police will use this and they can now, you know, track this person as a cousin of the DNA we found on, you know, this dead body. That's what DNA, DNA profiling, you know really is i mean i can't even imagine the amount of time or money that it takes to do either of those things to run dna checks for people's genealogies or for tracking down serial killers but if you want to top serial killers you got to go after the people who don't clean up their dog's poop i mean <laughs> that's where poop prints comes in as it says do you think there's like people who go to university for however many years to get a degree in like criminology and kind of you know dna uh research and everything and like yeah i'm gonna make it you know i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna solve these crimes and you know they've got to start at the very bottom you've got to go work for poop prints like to really <laughs> test your dna and like are we gonna get like csi tennessee now after this and it's just gonna be based on yeah. like the uh the csi squad of tennessee going around like oh here it is it's a pile of dog poo <laughs> you know some new who song to put over the top of it like why why is well, this a thing i still need to ask that question a hundred more times I, I mean you and i both went 
to school and college or university or whatever. (laughs) We attempted to. Um, And I feel like what you're saying is probably true for most people. Like you go to law school to become a lawyer and then you come out and you're working as like, you know, a clerk, uh, you know, photocopying things for the first six years of your career. I mean, I don't think anybody really comes out with the job they expect, but that probably is like Pooh Prints, I'm guessing, is the first job where everybody's going, you know, to to become like a genealogist or uh, uh, genetic scientists. And then they have their internship coming up and it's like, oh, where did you land me? You know, with uh, the FBI or or, or this or the, some prestigious scientific firm, you will be going to Pooh Prints to work as like – I wonder what the intern jobs are there because of yeah. the people who work in executive positions. Like, do you think they're going around telling people, you know, I'm a very successful scientist. I work for Poo Prints. <laughs> we track down irresponsible dog owners. <laughs> well, I want them to extend this then to like cat owners, to, you know, hamster like- owners, fish owners, because all those fish poos that get everywhere. And I think really we could, um, you know, I think we've just discovered the plot for Bond 25 here. It's going to be some sort of, uh, you know, evil <laughs> specter of hacked into poo prints and uh, monitoring everybody by their dog poo. And this is the way of Blofeld's controlling the world now because he can have access to everybody because everyone loves dogs. Everyone has a dog. So this is how he's getting it. This is the plot for Bond 25. Simple. M's dog. Mm. We saw the little puppy thing that was handed down m's dogs on the loose we need to track down m's dog yep there's some rogue poo that was left behind at the specter mansion (laughs) ah shit literally um wow i'm I'm very glad you discovered that i actually read a i follow a few sort of canadian facebook pages you know i think i tagged you in a post about you know famous people Mm. who were born uh the last time your team won a stanley cup and it was a picture of a t-rex for the for the leafs you're welcome but there there was like a there was a post and they were trying to do like you know facts about canada and i think one of them said something like using sorry in court is inadmissible because sorry is so commonly used in canada or something like that. Like, you, you can't use it in court because you don't know when somebody's using it as in, like, oh, I'm actually sorry, or, oh, sorry, eh? Uh, I mean, only in Canada would that be a law, right? Yeah, I mean, the word sorry is not legally admissible in court, but poo prints <laughs> is. This is what our law has come to. I want to see, like, a remake with, you know, like, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. It's like, you, I just want to know the truth. You can't handle the truth. And it's just all yeah. about, like, dog poo. <laughs> Like, we have the evidence. It was your poodle. <laughs> we have the proof. You can't Let's handle the, the poop. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next leak. <laughs> speaking of poop, um, you've been on the brink a few times. Uh, do you have any me- <laughs> Do you have any memories of your little segments? I, I've, I, for one, am a fan of uh, learning about Canadian geese. I think that was fun. And uh, oh yeah, I think that time we learnt that there was what like a fourth or a fifth verse of the Canadian national anthem that involves some inappropriate language or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was about to say those are probably the two best. Cause every other time, I think it's mostly been talking about hockey or Justin Trudeau. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the, the dangerous geese of Canada. I mean, that's something nobody knows. Uh, most Canadians know it, but anybody outside of Canada doesn't realize how vicious and vile those deeming creatures as Jamie refers to them are. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, our national anthem is now officially changed back to the original um, uh, version instead of All Thy Sons Command and All of Us Command. 
but they happen to leave out a couple of those inappropriate verses. So, I mean, th- there's still time to, to go back, to turn back the clock and to, to make Canada right again. Well, I think also we should quickly mention hockey just because we're, we're now about a week away, aren't we? The playoffs begin in about mm. eight or nine days or something ridiculous like that. So, uh, I mean, we talked about this last week, but much changed in your perspective of how things are going. I didn't realize Boston were doing so well. I must have been paying that much attention oh, to see yeah. that they're doing that well. I mean, every time one of my teams plays Boston, they lose badly. So, um, and of course, Boston beat my team last year. So I'm always sort of on the fence of whether I should be happy for Boston or hate them. Uh, But I mean, as far as the Leafs go for me, you know, they continue to either win or lose in high scoring games. I just like, you know, something consistent. Uh, I mean, the Jets beat Nashville recently, so uh, I don't know. You probably know better than I do because you know I'm I'm in the midst of moving away from uh, you know these apartment complex riddled with poo. But uh, <laughs> what what are the matchups looking like right now? Um, the matchups right now, I did actually have this up. I'll pull these up just quickly. Just while I'm pulling this up, I, I really like look. I like Boston as a city. I've been there like once, sort of spent a couple of days there. It was a nice city. But for God's sakes, they've already won the Super Bowl. They already won the World Series in the last twelve months. For fuck's sake, stop winning, Boston sports teams. I'm sick of it. Um, I mean, they won the Stanley Cup the year of the 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 marathon bombing as well. Mm. Gosh. I mean, haven't you taken enough, Boston? Yeah, come on. Stop getting the world's attention. <laughs> um, okay, so currently uh, in the east, it looks like we will have... And this is time recording. Obviously, this might change by the time this airs. It looks as though Tampa Bay are going to be playing Montreal. Uh, and it looks mm-hmm. like Boston will be playing Toronto. There's going to be a fun oh. one. Uh, and then the Capitals will play the Hurricanes, which I believe... If they make the playoffs, that's the longest active playoff streak, I think, in the uh, NHL. There have been about eight or nine seasons without them making the playoffs. So good on you, Carolina. One of the two teams I always forget are a team. Um, and Penguins and the Islanders look like that will be the other matchup. Oh. And then the West, the Flames against the uh, Avs. Uh, good on you, Colorado, for making it. Uh, the Sharks up against the Golden Knights, who are still in a bit of hot form at the moment. Uh, Winnipeg up against Dallas, who knocked off Calgary yesterday in a close game, and Nashville against St. Louis, the team that everyone forgets hasn't won a Stanley Cup in about the same time as you guys haven't won one. So, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of those? Leafs, Islanders, Jets, uh, Uh, Capitals, you know, interesting ones for you? I have a lot less faith in the Leafs now. I know they're playing Boston because that seems to be their kryptonite, but, I mean, maybe it'll be sweet revenge this year. Um, I'm still thinking Tampa Bay is going to take the whole thing. Uh, St. Louis and who was it? Uh, Nashville. Oh, that's like the most boring <laughs> series imaginable. <laughs> I mean, I'm just speaking mostly for the cities. Like, you know, uh, uh, I'm sure that there's some good fan bases there, but like St. Louis and Nashville, seriously? Well, when I went and saw uh, the Predators play in Nashville, it was actually against St. Louis, and there were a few St. Louis fans there. So, you know, they exist. I, I think Vegas uh, and um, San Jose. Uh, San Jose. That could be an exciting one because I, I mean, both kind of snuck their way into Stanley Cup Finals within the last couple of years. Uh, they they kind of both qualify as underdog teams. I mean, you have San Jose, which really started the expansion era, and then you know Vegas is the newest one. So that that I think that's the one that I really want to see. Well, I think the West is actually because 
you know, outside of the teams I go for, I always like to see teams maybe that haven't been there in a while and kind of have an opportunity. And I think kind of looking at the West, you've really got a bunch of teams there that haven't won, either won a Stanley Cup or it's been a while. I mean, gosh, who Colorado would probably be the last team out of those teams who have won a yeah. Stanley Cup, wouldn't they? I mean, San Jose... And that was, what, 2002 maybe? Yeah. I mean, San Jose Golden Knights obviously both lost it recently. Uh, Jets came close. Dallas, did they not win one in like 99? Um, Nashville obviously mm, a lost couple. a couple of years ago and St. Louis never won one. Of course, Calgary uh, lost in 2004, haven't won in, since 1989. So the thing that I quite like about that is that no matter who ends up making the Stanley Cup playoffs, you, you're going to, the final, sorry, you'll have a team that hasn't either won it in a while or not at all. And then even on the East, I mean, gosh, if, um, you know, you eliminate the Capitals and the Penguins early and the Bruins early, um, and the Lightning, because <laughs> no one gives a shit about them. Um, you know, eliminate half of the teams, which generally happens uh, after the first round. Um, you, you might have some... <laughs> just, that's how it usually works, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it checks out. Yes. Uh, but, you know, like... Do you honestly think the Lightning winner? Because, I mean, they're just kicking everyone's ass. Yeah. But it's... When was the last time, like, the President's Trophy winner actually won? the Stanley Cup? Because they always seem to not make the finals, don't they? They always seem to choke in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's well, that's kind of what happened last year because I think that was Tampa Bay last year and then Washington the year before. No, that's interesting. I, I don't know. Maybe Pittsburgh uh, a couple of years ago, I think, might have been the last time, but I could be wrong on that. Um, but it's it just, it, it seems like Tampa Bay's unstoppable. I mean, they made the Stanley Cup finals a couple of years ago in a season where they probably shouldn't. Uh, I, they did that without Steve Stamkos, who's like arguably the greatest player in the league and one of my favorites. So uh, I, I'm just waiting for them to really have that moment because uh, as much as I'm, I'm, you know, a proud Canadian and I know you're going to hate me, you, you already do hate me for this. But you know, when Calgary lost, I actually was happy for Tampa Bay because I'm, I'm a good loser. And I've <laughs> sort not. of always been behind Tampa Bay. <laughs> I've been behind Tampa Bay since then. So uh i i don't know if i'm really expecting it i mean i i think that tampa bay is a lock but then i always seem to get it wrong um we'll we'll see what happens but uh this i think this is i i don't see how they could possibly lose four teams this millennium have uh won the president's trophy and the stanley cup the last team to do it was the chicago blackhawks in 2012 2013 uh, and prior, prior to that, the tr- Detroit did it in 2007, 2008. Detroit did it again in 2001, 2002. And then Colorado did it in 2000 and 2001. Uh, interestingly, nope. yeah, no no team had won the President's Trophy has even made the Stanley Cup finals since Chicago won it. Vancouver got eliminated in the uh, first round uh, in 2011, 2012. Then oh. they lost the Stanley Cup the year before. I just have to laugh at Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mallory will hear this later, but um, yeah, it's it's crazy to think that like this is just something that seems to almost be a curse. At least this decade, that's mm. crazy. Yeah, it's like winning the car on Survivor. It's yeah, just, it's never going to happen. <laughs> well, the last time two, uh, team won consecutive Presidents trophies was the Washington Capitals, and they didn't even make it there. So Tampa Bay. Oh, they didn't win it last year, did they? So Nashville won it last year. Wow. Okay. Crazy stuff. Well, Colin, thank you for joining us on our 100th episode. It's always a pleasure. We've learned a lot. Uh, poo prints and everything else in between. Uh, thank you for your contribution for these first 100 podcast episodes. And we look forward to many more appearances, at least 20 in the next 100 episodes. 
Yeah, I look forward to filling out the 20% quota in the next two years. Every Friday morning, we used to have this gentleman come in the studio towards then we were closing out to hear about what was happening on his show, and uh, he even managed to host a couple of episodes of The Brink back in the good old Edge Radio days for good measure as well. I do, of course, speak of Hobart's number one sporting export uh, expert. Oh, export as well. Why not? Uh, it's Rod Hunt. Rod, welcome back to The Brink. Nothing's changed. I still can't speak properly, it seems. Thanks very much, Ben. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. <laughs> yes, yeah, certainly remember getting up early and uh, going in to do those uh, couple of shows for you when you were uh, away. And um, good memories, but all, um, I'll never forget the theme song with which you introduced me, Ben. So I'm hoping you've got that up your sleeve somewhere there. Fanfare for the common man, I think it was. Always. I, I was playing in the background, of course. As it's, it's loud and proud. Every time I hear that song... I always think of you, Rod. So um, you know, got to got to make sure Excellent. that you keep those memories alive. But uh, I just I wanted to mention briefly about those couple of shows that you did host because obviously very much appreciated you doing that. But do you remember a little time when you kind of went on air and uh, realised you didn't actually have your microphone on and you had to have Dakota gently whisper over to you that I don't think your microphone's on. Look, I think it was the highlight of the show. <laughs> uh, the audio quality and the depth of analysis was probably at its high at that point yeah no i agree i think that was that was peak brink i think that we never ever achieved anything better than that moment and i'm glad that you you were the one who did that rod so thank you very much for that but the other thing you should remember ben is it wasn't an unusual circumstance in the edge radio studio (laughs) i did it a number of times with uh my show consuming sports and um uh in fact my first interview i turned his microphone off Ah. so People could hear me, but not the guy I was interviewing. Right. Well, um, boring guest, though, clearly. And, and That's that why you turned his microphone off. And, and that was a comment on what he was saying, yeah. Mm, yeah. Right, right. But, I mean, good good memories. Of course, you, you hosted Consuming Sports for a good couple of years. I mean, gosh, how long did you actually do that? Do you know how many episodes you ended up hosting of Consuming Sports? Look, I can't remember. It was well over 100, I think, and... Um, yeah, great, uh, great times. Uh, made it into the uh, final of the Community Broadcasting Association uh, Sports Show of the Year. Um, unfortunately, it didn't uh, take away the gong, but um, great to get to the finals. You did. I remember that actually very well. And you had some great guests on the show over the years too. Who, who was the, the highlight uh, out of all the guests that you did get on the show and interview? Look, I think uh, two guys who were great highlights were uh, Darren Matthewson, who would come in regularly to talk about um, to talk about footy uh, from the top of the nation to the bottom of the nation and uh, across all sides. David O'Byrne, who I pursued relentlessly <laughs> on the question of um, is aggression in sport contributing to violence in society and. Uh, how do we celebrate aggression in sport and then um, stop violence in society? And uh, I think I had him on the mat a couple of times there. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, I know David likes a good old spar every now and then. You've known him for quite some time, haven't you? You two are very good friends. Yes, very good friends. In fact, I went to his 50th birthday only a fortnight ago, Ben. There you go. There you go. Happy birthday, Mr. O'Byrne. Um, probably the most famous person to have ever shaved my head. 
So, um, you know, and that and yourself, of course, Rod. So, you know, both oh, of you, yeah. both yeah, of you were up there. Yeah. Um, now, also good memories, too, of uh, our time at Edge uh, when we got to do a couple of live Big Bash games and you were our boundary reporter. Uh, obviously, some fond memories uh, being the, the Robert Dipominico of the Big Bash in the early 2010s there. Yeah, similar uh, similar build, I guess. Uh, similar <laughs> hair and uh, facial whiskers, um, but um, yeah, they were great memories. And uh, what a what a privilege that was to be able to do those games uh, and speak to uh, my my favourite interview was with Tim Payne. Mm. Um, just thinking what a great guy he was, and uh, you know he's clearly now getting the rewards that he deserved. And what a fabulous. Uh, career story that is a very fascinating story. Um, I heard that he was he actually rang Ricky Ponting to say, "Can you help me get a job? I'm going to give it away." Mm. Uh, or he sent a text to Ricky Ponting. Ricky Ponting, who's apparently renowned for not responding to uh, messages, <laughs> um, rang him back within seconds and said, "You're not giving it away. Give me a couple of days." And uh, within two days, he was selected in the Australia A squad. And uh, after a reasonable performance in that game, he was the test keeper. And given sandpaper, Gabe, uh, Ben, he's he's now the test captain. Yeah. Can he hang on to it, though? Do you think, though, he's going to lose it now that, um, that Smithy and Warner are kind of back in favour now? Their bands are over. Well, uh, yeah, today. That's right. Um they won't give they won't give the captaincy back to Smith immediately. Um, Warner uh, he will never be vice captain again, I don't think, and that's that's the ruling, isn't it, that he can mm. never hold a leadership position again. Uh, but there's a question, Ben. I think um, certainly the initial discussion about Sandpapergate <laughs> was that it was a leadership group decision. Now there were two other people involved in the leadership group at that time who haven't copped anything but uh, one of them uh, their form over the summer wasn't all that flash and I mm. just kept wondering was uh, was he actually involved in the decision and had he escaped um, without a rap mm. yeah it's interesting um, and I think kind of as Tasmanians we're very much uh, hopeful that Payne can hang on but even if he doesn't like just such a great story as you just went over there. And uh, I remember sort of back in the early days of the Big Bash when we used to go on the field and do the post-match interviews. And, um, you know, even if he was playing or not, even if he was kind of injured, when he constantly was at that period, but sort of still supporting the Hurricanes, you know, he was always open for a, a chat and always very engaging and great to chat to Tim Payne. So uh, such a such a nice guy and very much deserving, I think, of kind of this position. But I've got to ask you, Rod, I mean, obviously probably not the best time to ask you this question given at the time of recording this, uh, not the best night for your beloved Tigers. But, I mean, are you still celebrating after 2017? Because I can imagine this is something that Richmond supporters, even if you go this year finishing on bottom of the ladder, you, this has still got to be something that you've got to be celebrating after so long in the doldrums. Come on. Well, you know, what I've been uh, constantly saying to people, Ben, is we are the reigning minor premiers. <laughs> See, we finished top of the ladder last year. <laughs> you did. Uh, although we went out to Collingwood uh, in that, Shocking preliminary final uh, where Mason Cox, um, you know, played a game out of the box, and I thought he was going to do it again last night, but he didn't need to. The rest of the team were uh, reasonable enough. Um, yes, we are the reigning minor premiers, and we won the flag. 
We're the last Victorian team to win the flag, Ben. You are. You, that's very true, actually. That's a very good point. But what what was that day like? I mean, we used to give you lots of, you know, tease you a bit, as everyone did, Richmond supporters, for a very long time. But, I mean, was, was that the greatest day of your life, 2017 AFL Grand Final Day? No, it certainly wasn't the greatest day of my life, but it was certainly a, a very good, uh, a very good day. Interestingly enough, I had a social function straight after the grand final. Didn't get to watch the on-field celebrations after the grand final. Haven't watched the game since. Lots of my friends had watched it nine times by the time uh, we got back to season 2018, um, and pulled it out every so often to watch it again. Um, but uh, yes, last night was a uh, a bit of a downer. Um, the game against Carlton uh, didn't reach great heights, Ben. I didn't think. No. Um, and yeah, Richmond could be in the lower part of the eight this year. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting, kind of after the first round, and then obviously now I think you get a little bit more of a a taste going into the second round about things, but. Um, yeah, from a from a Carlton fan's perspective, I think it was very much good positive signs. But, I mean, that's kind of generally what always is the case in the first game of the year. We play good for 50% of the game and the rest not so good. And then every single time, we're like, oh, yeah, there's good signs there. This could be all right. And, you know, last year we won two games. So uh, I'm on I'm on the women train right now, Rod. I mean, gosh, first time in 20 years thing. I can say Carlton are in the grand final this weekend. So, you know, get on the girls. They're that's doing right. well. That's right. Uh, I think... I think it's great that they're in the grand final. I wouldn't be holding my breath about no. the result given they're up against Adelaide, though. No, I think Adelaide would, should easily win it. I mean, gosh, Geelong didn't score a goal, didn't they, until about halfway through the final quarter the other day. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I, I'm not hopeful that they will win, but it's it's great to see Carlton in a in a grand final. Um, you know, so yeah, good signs, particularly after they finished. You know, we we are the only side in the history of the AFL to win uh, the wooden spoon in the same year with the men and the women's. So we hold a bit of history last year. So the girls have recovered quite well after winning the wooden spoon last year to at least make the grand finals. So maybe the men can do the same this year. Probably not, but you never know. <laughs> Well, that's a sensational uh, distinction to have, the wooden spoon, both the men's and the women's. Mm. I, I'm proud of it, you know. <laughs> the, I mean, the, 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 the Adelaide, Adelaide nearly did it the other year with the uh, the men and the women for the premiership, but, of course, you know, couldn't quite do it with the men's side of things. But, uh, I mean, what, what have you been up to since since you've left Edge? I mean, you and I just mentioned a little bit off air now, but you, you're retired now and you're living kind of the high life up there in the, in the beautiful East Coast. That's right. Uh, currently, just you know, watching the valley of uh, the valley, the Fingal Valley. It's um, an absolutely stunning location that we live in. We get a view right down to Stacks Bluff, the southern end of Ben Lomond. Look, I'm basically doing gardening. Uh, still involved in the aged care industry through the local uh, aged care facility. Um, and uh, playing a bit of music here and there, Ben. Um, played at the St Mary's Pub last Friday night. Actually had a great night there. Uh, did a solo gig, um, half Neil Young, half other songs, and uh, very good fun indeed. Fantastic. Well, I got the chance to see you play live, of course, last year at uh, David Bartlett's 50th, and that was a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, I... It was a great day. It was a very good day. Um, very, very good day. So I'm, I'm glad that I can at least uh, have that. Is it, was there any reason for sort of where you've moved to? Is that kind of where your roots are? Kind of where... Is that just where you always plan to retire? Look, I had... Uh, I lived here for three years when I was a, a very young lad. 
uh, always liked the place um, and fell in love again with the view. Uh, and um, we were lucky enough to find that our, a spot we picked out over 10 years ago now as being a great spot for a house had been subdivided and made available. So um, up we came very quickly, made an offer and uh, moved up here, sold our place in Hobart very quickly, moved up here and uh, rented a house before we built our house uh, looking down the valley now. Beautiful and, and no looking back. That's, uh, that's, that's kind of the perfect life it's sounding like right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it probably is actually. But mm, there yeah. you go. Well, there you go. That's what we can all aspire to from this show. You know, you co-host a couple of episodes of The Brink and one day you build a beautiful house in the Fingal Valley and retire. That's kind of, I think, the motto of this now, isn't it? Yep, yep. The Brink to Fingal. <laughs> That's going to be your new album title. I, uh, you, you can have that one. <laughs> Rod, it's a pleasure having you on here, mate. Thank you very much for your time. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to do this again. I, I enjoyed the chat, and uh, maybe we can consume some sports together at some point uh, in the future. Let's do that, Ben, because there's plenty happening. And, uh, you know, that issue, as I mentioned, about aggression and violence in the community, aggression in sport, violence in the community, it doesn't go away. And... Um, it's something that uh, I certainly discuss a lot with the people I talk to and we talk about, you know, uh, like bowling, you know, that question of uh, the rules, mm-hmm. you know, what is safe and what isn't safe. Definitely some, uh, you know, big topics that we can definitely chat about in the future, mate. I definitely think we'll have to do that. So, uh, yeah, by all means, we'll do that. And thank you very much for being on the show today. Always a pleasure. Yeah, no problem at all. It was good fun. <laughs> As always, every time we have this person on the show, I usually start off by saying something like, well, it couldn't be an episode without this guy on, even though he's not on as much as we'd like to have him on. But given that this is our 100th episode, you've heard me say that probably now about seven times, eight times throughout this uh, this week's episode, <laughs> that um, the very first time we did a podcast version of The Brink, that this guy was on it. He was on in the beginning. Anyway, it's Josh Shoebridge. Play Jesus is still all right with me. There we go. Josh, hello, welcome back. <laughs> oh, thank you, Benny Boy. How How's it going? I really wish I could have just introduced you as um, New South Wales member for Bega, Joshua Shoebridge. But, um... <laughs> that would have been flippant awesome. Oh, mate, that, that, was, uh, that was hectic. Wow. Uh, I'm a bit of a well, that was. I just want to just point out right now that there are 744 people in the Bega Valley who like you. Uh, so that must be a pretty good feeling. 744. Where are you getting those stats from? I'm getting that according to the ABC electoral thing, as well as uh, the New South Wales state election um, results page. Why? Is there more? Is there less? Like, what have I... Are they wrong? Are you right? What's happening? Well, I, I was told 670. Uh, so I wonder if that's uh, including the secondary votes but i'm not i'm not too sure oh, well i'm not i'm not sure just to clarify for people who are wondering what we're talking about josh uh, just actually ran uh for state parliament in new south wales uh for the the australian conservatives party where um you didn't get elected sadly uh but no no it, but, but but saying this saying that uh it went to the standing member current standing member andrew constance this is his fifth straight term mm. he's a liberal uh so he's on the same side of politics as i am so i'm not i'm not that dissatisfied but and i also only had two weeks of campaigning which so i think that's i mean looking at the stats though like okay we can be a real dick here and say you came last but 
But, the f- I, I mean, I would look at this, that you get 744 votes. Like, if I was to ever run for politics, and you know, never, you know, assuming I would ever get a seat. But, like, I would probably set myself, like, okay, if I can get, like, 500 first preference votes, that'd be pretty cool. You got 744. You got 1.58% of the total formal votes, which, okay, is not a big number, but still, that's pretty cool. But looking at this side of things, there was a 1.6% swing to the Australian Conservatives because of you, Josh. So... There you go. And, and, and that's only because this is the first time I've actually ran in the seat of Bega. <laughs> Which is still kind of cool because if you look at the, the stats for both Liberal and Labor, they had a minus 4.1% swing for the Liberals and minus 2.1%. So you had more of a swing come your way than the Liberal and the Labor Party and the Greens Party. So there you go. Oh, I'm so stoked that the Greens Party lost seats. I'm so... <laughs> I don't know if I should be saying that on here, but I am. I'm happy. So how, how does this come about, though? How, how does one find themselves running for a seat in New South Wales Parliament? Well, well, to, to be honest, Ben, I had no, three weeks ago, I had no desire, n- none whatsoever to involve myself in the, the uh, state campaign. Um, I'm a, I've been a member of the Australian Conservative Party now for two years since its formation. And... Uh, yeah, essentially, what what was happening is uh, I'm friends on Facebook with the state president of the of the New South Wales Australian Conservatives uh, segment, and then she put a thing out asking for me to contact her, and then I contacted her, and she's like, "We need someone to run in Bega. Can you do it?" I'm like, eh, "I've only got two weeks." She goes, "All of our candidates only have two weeks," uh, so. I went, all right, might as well. Let's get it done. So did that, uh, and yeah, it was it was kind of hectic <laughs> trying to understand what was going on and everything. Um, I I, I did a uh, I, I I managed to pee off a bunch of people. That was fun. Why? What did you do? What did you do to pee off some people? Because I decided to start a, a discussion on the uh, the actual uh, feasibility of humankind induced climate change, and that that people don't like that. Right. Okay. Interesting. Wow. I saw you. Um, a, yeah. I saw a couple of you. Like they had articles on you about who's running in Bega, and then uh, you were on a. I think you shared a, a Win News thing. You getting interviewed, and um, I'm even looking yeah. here on Wikipedia. So you were officially on Wikipedia. We're well, not on a page, but at least if you go to the candidates of the 2019 New South Wales State Election page on Wikipedia, your name is on that page, Josh. So there you go. Yeah, no. Yeah, so I'm actually on there legitimately, not unlike when we had our things on. Six we months we lasted on that. We thought it would be taken out in six minutes. <laughs> what? It was, the, it was a stupid reason, too. It was like, this is advertising a radio show. Uh, and I think, but, they, but they've got Wikipedia pages for shows. And books. The, well, the, the best thing I think about it was that when we added, um, so if you go to like the day of your birthday, so like on the March 18, you know, this day in history page, my name remained under famous birthdays for a couple of years before they finally removed it. So um, that was pretty cool. But like, because there's, there's actually a, a page, uh, a website out there called like Deletionpedia, and it kind of it, it monitors all the pages in the history of Wikipedia that have been deleted. So it's still on there. And even like the Hobart 2020 Olympic bid got its own page for some time. And that wasn't even us who created that. Somebody else went and created it. Um, I think it turned into a bit of abuse there for a while. They called us like um, attention-seeking 
C words, I think. Um, I don't know if your kids are around, so I don't want to say that. Uh, but yeah, it um, <coughs> it was it was it was an interesting time. So yeah. Well, well, that's it. That's a, I think if we look at like our sort of like career, we we've put ourselves into into some pretty interesting positions. Mm, like, yeah. like the twenty twenty Olympic bid, you get the uh, the the Commonwealth Games. You were a part of that. And not so long ago, we had what else was there? There was it was a youth Olympics or so, youth games mm-hmm. or something going on. Yep, yep. Um, freak! What else? There was a few. There was a few things that we we've sort of we had the premiere of the of the state of Tasmania. We're friends with a senator, <laughs> Lisa Singh. We, we we seriously have put ourselves into some odd situations. Well, I think we've done well for a little plucky little station, a uh, little show, I should say, um, over the years. And, um, you know, I'm still glad that this is going in some form or another. And, uh, you know, you and I have talked at length, I think, previously about your first... Uh, you being on that very first podcast episode back in 2016. It's kind of odd to think that it's been... Um, nearly three years since we did this as a podcast when realistically we probably should have done more than 100 episodes by now but hey life happens um but i mean that yeah. was that was a good night that was i think on what about the the eve i was about to head off uh on a little adventure and then kind of you know decided to do this and you just happened to be in the state and um you know we had a we had a gay old it was time. weird you know it was a weird weird timing actually wasn't it yeah it was um and it, it was really weird timing because I wasn't, I don't think we were meant to be down there. It was like a whirlwind sort of thing again. You know, we were, it was weird and then it, it just worked and you were heading off fairly, fairly soon. And then, and I was thinking about this just the other day because uh, my, my son, uh, so since the fetching uh, campaign finished, so Saturday night, I got home, we had to go to a, a birthday party across the road at my sister-in-law's house, and then we got home, Gabriel got sick, so since, I haven't stopped since the the election at all, it's been go, 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 and uh, well, Gabriel's hospitalised with pneumonia, and he's better now, you can probably hear him in the background yelling at the TV, but it, <laughs> I was thinking, I was sitting in hospital going, hmm, the last time I was in this hospital with Gabriel, it was the day, last day I saw Ben. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the day when I was there in, um, in Marimula and, uh, of course, I left that day. Gosh, that was, wow. Uh, the, how time flies. That We hadn't started the podcast by then, though. Like It was a few months after because you came down after that. Um, which you sure it was? You sure it was after that? No, it was because I, I I remember that period of my life. So uh, it was twenty mid twenty sixteen, and that was my first attempt at trying to leave. And then I ended up going back. Of course, that was that day that I went back. And then yeah, like uh, what was that? That was in July, wasn't it? So um, two months later is when I left because I left again just before the AFL Grand Final, because that's when I went to see the uh, the Grand Final. So, yeah, no, it was... Um... Oh, don't, don't get don't start talking about football. Ah, oh, how'd they go just... last night? How, I've already talked to Ron oh, about this oh, in this episode. Oh, I've just, you know, you, you, you come to me 12 hours later rubbing it in my face. Oh, we're from Tigerland. I'm like, yeah, go get over it. You beat the wooden okay, spoons go, go, last go, go, year. Go, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> to be honest and to be fair, that was against you. That was yeah, against right. Carlton. <laughs> Again, that's, that's my point. Like, anyone can beat us. We're Carlton. We're the reigning wooden spooners. We're going to lose everything again this year. I, I know that. Our women are better. We're in the grand final, Josh. Get behind the women. But anyway, sorry. They lost to Collingwood last night. So how's, how's that feel? <laughs> uh, it feels like I got mugged in Bridgewater. <laughs> what is the, the Bridgewater of Marimbula? 
Uh, Bega. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Now, they're, 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 Bogans are scattered uh, <laughs> all over this uh, great shire of ours. There's right. actually no... It, it's more like... Bega's more like New Norfolk with a beach suburb attached to it. Okay. If that makes sense. No. If, that, if you could think like, say, Primrose Sands attached to... No. St. Helens attached to New Norfolk, you're almost spot on. I See, I would have that as a good comparison to where I'm living to in Invercargill. It's kind of like a, a, a bigger in New Norfolk. I would, that's how I would describe Invercargill. Yeah, now, 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 Invercargill, that's very close to Dandon, isn't it? Ah, uh, two, two and a half hours away. But, I mean, that's the closest, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, big city to Invercargill just because um, even Hobart is bigger than Dunedin. Uh, but New Zealanders think Dunedin's a big city, so um, it's 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 an odd place, New Zealand, because you've got Auckland, uh, and then you've kind of got like I mean, Wellington's. Yeah, it's a decent sized city, but I mean, you know, you would mm. probably classify Wellington as a bigger Hobart, whereas you know, but besides that, like Christchurch, obviously, is you know lost a lot of sort of it's lackluster after the earthquake kind of you know and before what's just happened there and then you know queenstown's a resort town it's kind of just like uh you know coles bay with a hundred percent population increase every day um yeah and you know dunedin's a nice little small kind of city i I don't mind hamilton hamilton reminds me a lot of hobart but nicer um i like auckland as a popular thing see see, i've got a lot I I spent a lot of time in Hamilton. Yeah, because that's where the the church has got its thing there. And but uh, I, I, how how does it feel there? Like because you, this is the interesting thing with this is you, you've you were in Hobart like as a kid. You were you were ten years old, no uh, nine years old when Port Arthur happened, and you and obviously you, um, in your line of work, you would have had a little bit to deal with when it came to the events that happened well, a few weeks ago. Not, not really, because I was actually in Australia, so uh, I was at the Grand Prix. Well, that's, so, true. that's um, true. It was it was a weird feeling because we were at the track and hadn't really been on my phone a lot during the day, and Mallory mm. and I went and um, got our grandstand seat because we'd sort of been hanging out with Sam. For, we'd gone and gotten a bunch of autographs in the morning, kind of hung around the, the interior of the track with Sam. And then we're like, by the end, the final session of the day, we were like, okay, cool, we'll go and sit in our stand. And I just happened to pull my phone up. I opened up Instagram uh, looking, uh, and the first post came up was, I think, a post from the Hurricanes rugby team, uh, sorry, the Highlanders rugby team saying, you know, thoughts with everyone in Christchurch right now. And of course, I've turned to Mallory and oh, fuck, it must have been an earthquake or something there. And then, you know, obviously reading what happened. So, yeah, it was it was an odd feeling, I think, for us because, you know, like we're not trying to claim that we are any sort of New Zealanders. We've only been living here for, you know, barely six months. But it did kind of have a similar vibe, I guess, to remembering what it was like when Port Arthur happened because it's, it's a place where it is very much like Tasmania in the fact that you that is the last place you would assume something like that would happen. And it just, yeah, it kind of makes you feel a little bit sicker to the stomach than it would perhaps in other places. And that's not to take away from the tragedy of this event if it had happened somewhere else. But it's kind of, it's a bit more close to home. You know, we've been to Christchurch. It's on the same island as us, you know, and, you know, there's lots of connections to Dunedin as well. So it's kind of, it's in that vicinity of where we are. Um, But, yeah, I mean, look, you can compute it a little bit differently now than you could as a nine-year-old, of course. Um, but I mean, look, I I vividly remember everything about the day that Port Arthur happened. I mean, we were meant to go down there that day. We our our 
annual pass was expiring, I think, the next weekend. So it's like, look, we have to go down there. And we slept in, didn't go. And we ended up going up Mount Wellington instead. And we're halfway up the mountain when it happened. And we had to pull over, kind of just like, holy shit, what's happening right now? So, yeah, it's... um. You know, you, you always remember, though, these situations. Like, you know, I vividly remember oh, yeah. 9-11 happened and things like that. Like, you know, kind of all these sort of big events. You know, you remember when Richmond won a premiership because it won't happen again for another 32 years. So Stuff you do. <laughs> now, the, the thing that I'm I'm really confused about when it comes to what, what happened in Christchurch, and it's more, it's not really like that, oh, yeah, this, this bad thing happened, blah, blah, blah. Uh, for me, it's, it's a, along the lines of it just – how come these things that like the things that happen in 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 Australia in in like in our in our area of the world right in mm-hmm. in, New, in New Zealand they always happen in these really odd places yeah that the things shouldn't happen like there's like you don't expect something to happen in Hobart you don't expect like this to happen in New Zealand or in Christchurch for crying out loud they've had enough on their plate with the earthquakes and. It's it, it's it 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 just it hurts to as a human just to see someone who could actually do something like that. It's it's really yeah and really bad. And I think that's kind of yeah the the whole part of this, which again, not to take away from this, if it had happened in say like Auckland or you know Sydney or something like that, where you know you would almost I don't want to say it, but expect a place like that to happen. But, yeah, that's where it hurts a little bit more. And I think it's kind of like, I mean, not really on the same page of of event scale thing, but, like, you know, you think back a couple of years ago when that guy in Melbourne sort of drove on the street and killed, what, about four or five people sort of around Burke Street and the mall and everything along those lines. It's kind of, it's a tragedy and we're all kind of, you know, horrified at the events with that. But, I mean, I don't think it would have had the same emotional impact. Like, if that had happened in Hobart, you know, or, uh, you know, even like Bega or you know, Geelong or, you know, somewhere, one of these places where you don't really expect something like that to happen. So, yeah, no, no. And that's exactly right. You, you, you spot on the money there because it's, you don't expect it to happen there. You don't expect it to happen in certain areas of the world. And, and where you expect things to happen, like the things that happen in Burke street, the guy didn't have a gun. He used a car. Yeah. And yeah. You, 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 you expect someone to rock up with an assault rifle and that, and that sort of thing. And it's, you know, very sad. And, like I've got, like I've got not just you. I've got plenty of friends in New Zealand, and it's just like it, it's just really, really interesting. The thing I don't like about it is how it, they've managed to politically motivate it and like change. And, and that's the only thing I hate about. Yeah, what it's out, what outsiders are doing to it, which is. A sad reflection on the world we live in, I think. Um, you know, yeah, I, that was one of the first things I posted online was because you just saw the amount of straightaway people, you know, jumping on the clickbait bandwagon and trying to get their political agendas across. And it's, it's one of those fine line things where, yeah, there there has to be a political agenda behind it to an extent because of what this person said and posted and did and the reasons behind what they did. But, look... <sighs> lovely little conversation I had on one of your Facebook posts. And I I don't like to often get involved in these things anymore because I just, I feel like I've moved away from that. I have my own personal opinions and I try to just, you know, vent my anger by ranting to Mallory or just myself. But, um, you know, I got involved in a bit of a conversation on on one of your posts just through my personal viewpoints of kind of the way they label sort of what happened as a terrorist attack and this person is a terrorist. 
and yeah. sort of, yeah, conversation with one of your friends. And I, I look, the last time I posted, I then quickly muted that conversation. I haven't gone back to it since because it was like flogging <laughs> a dead horse. It was kind of like, look, you know, he has an agenda to go with it. I've said my point. He's probably winning the debate. I'm not in a mood to kind of keep going over and over again with something that's not yeah. going to change anything and what am I going to achieve out of it except get myself a little bit angrier. And it shouldn't be a case that we should be putting our efforts into, you know, uh, thinking about the victims and kind of, you know, supporting those who have been that rather than having pointless debates on the internet that uh, really isn't achieving anything. No, no, and I, I totally agree with you on that, like 100%, because at the end of the day, let's let's be honest here, it's... We we want to see the best things happen for our community, and we don't want to see anyone hurt. And the things I put up on there, and I think it was a very straightforward comments because I'm just getting sick and tired of the media misrepresenting everything yeah, that no, comes agree. up. Agree. And and that's 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 that was my one concern. It wasn't got, it really didn't have anything to do with like who did what, how it happened, and all that. It's just like no, he's well, he's a he's a right uh, right wing extremist, and I went no, he bloody well isn't. Mm. And, and I hate that when they say then it's just, and especially because uh, obviously like the party I I uh, am a member of is 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 right wing, and I can tell you now there is no no one in our party that would wish anything like that onto anyone. Which is again the problem we have today, where words and phrases and and things that you associate with certain people and groups it just gets lost in the fray now. Like, you know, right wing is just so loosely used now. Racism, you know, racist, sexist, things like this are just, they're so lost in the fray. And that was kind of trying to be my point in my thing that I was saying to your friend about the word terrorist and terrorism, that it's just so loosely used now that the interpretation of what it actually means has just been lost. And it's just... It's just such an interesting world we live in with that sort of things. And it's kind of a case of and this is coming from someone who works in the media to see how this kind of works, but it's, it's like we, we thrive in a society now when such a small vocal minority can be labeled as like the worst thing since cancer and that everything needs to be stopped against it. And that this is the worst thing. I mean, this is a really weird transition into this, what I'm trying to say, but I don't know how much you saw in the last week or so in regards to the comments and the situation that happened around the AFL women's player, Taylor Harris, and that photo that was going online. Um, And it basically, it was, it was was a photo of her in, in the midst of a kicking motion, kind of like her, her leg was like extended and the other way. And then, you know, there's probably about three or four, few more people, maybe on one of the photos posted a couple of like, you know, vulgar comments, like as people do on the internet. But for some yeah. reason, it got then turned into this huge thing because what happened was Channel 7, who initially posted the photo, were stupid and said, we got some trolls comment on this post, we've removed the photo. Like, that's dumb. That They're the stupid idiots who have, have caved into like three or four people. That then extended into this huge, huge shitstorm about how women aren't respected in football and that everyone's a sexist dinosaur and that we need to appreciate this photo because there's nothing wrong with it. She's an athlete. Now, I agree with that. There's nothing wrong with that photo. She's an athlete. She's in the midst of a kicking motion. It's a great photo. What really annoys me is the fact that we take three or four comments from three or four dickheads and make it out like no one respects women in sport, that we're all a bunch of sexist pigs and we all have to change. And then when somebody used an example 
of a photo of Dustin Martin with a, uh, an extended group of women who were saying vulgar comments against him. We then have female commentators in the media coming out and saying, oh, it's different because men can take that kind of criticism. Women can't. And that is just absolute one-sided nah. bullshit that makes me so mad and the double standards that we have in this world no, it is, and that's one of the things I'm, I'm fighting, I'm trying to fight. Is this stupid? Like the 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 way I see it is is the reason why we're failing is the fact that we are grouped into these little groups that we're in. So we're either straight, you're either male, you're either female, you're this, you're that. Why don't we just focus wholeheartedly on the individual? If we focus on the individual and then their own merits and their own actions. We wouldn't have this bull crap happening every day. Exactly, exactly, and that's, and, that's and just exactly like, it. Um, uh, what's the 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 that female comedian? Amy, Amy is Amy Puller the uh, Amy the one that uh, everyone hates. Oh no, that's not Amy. That's um no, everyone likes Amy Puller. Um, Amy Schumer, 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 Schumer. Yeah, I was about Schumer. to say everyone okay. loves Amy Puller. You got the wrong Amy, but you know I know who you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, she admitted on a radio interview that she essentially raped a man. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. Yeah, there was a sim- was- similar thing happened when a, um, a Australian female survivor contestant was doing an exit interview on the project and all but admitted she sexually assaulted a comedian for a laugh. And everyone laughed about it. But again, the other way around, if that was a man who said, oh yeah, I sucked my hand down a woman's pants, it would be absolute bedlam of how wrong that is. And this is the thing that's frustrating about this is that... And we've, we've, we, we need to do a whole podcast or an episode on this ourselves, Josh, because we always get into this type of conversation. But it's, it's the fact that as men or anybody who speaks out against this, you're automatically shut down because, oh, poor old men complaining that they've got it bad. And it's like you've got evidence clear as day in front of you of double standards. And, like, we're not here trying to say that we're victimised daily and that, you know, we have it bad. We, we're simply trying to point out that... We have issues and and evidence in front of us of clear double standards. Like, what right is there for a, anybody, not just a female, a male, anybody to say that a male can take that type of disgusting comments on social media because they're a man? Like, that is that is stereotyping. That is just blatant lies because you are basically assuming that a male can take something like that because he's tougher than a woman. And that's just wrong. That is just wrong. That if you well, can't well, say well, that, that a case- woman can't take something because they're a female and they're stronger than that, then it's the other way around. Don't assume every male is strong and that some men are allowed to be weak. And that's a lot of issues around male self-confidence, that men feel they can't be emotional and weaker because it's perceived that we have to be strong individuals. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And in a case in point on that one, you look at Brendan Fraser. That he left hollywood because he was sexually assaulted Mm. by numerous people and he just couldn't deal with it Mm -hmm. he knew it was an issue in hollywood he left he said there is issues in hollywood that need to be investigated nothing happened because he's a male and this is this is going back to your point i think that um rather than targeting groups and essentially making it out that you know a certain gender or whatever is responsible for these sort of things target the individuals there, there's there's no you can't go ahead and label all men as one thing 
without wanting to cause some disdain and distaste in that community. And it's, and it's then simply shut down because, oh, your men, you can't feel that way. Well, no, uh, we can feel that way. And we don't like being targeted as one thing when the majority of us are not what we are being portrayed in the media. And, and if you flip those roles, if you flip those roles and said that all women were something, then straight away, straight away it is shut down because it is sexist. And if people turn around and say, well, it's reverse sexism or that thing doesn't exist, then that's just that's just wrong. And it's just, as a society, if we want to be equal, there need to be equal playing fields when it comes to all levels of things. And I'm not trying to claim that everything is equal. Everything's not equal. There are definitely things we need to fight for on all levels of situation. But we're not going to get that if we keep making it out that there are bigger issues out there than there actually aren't. No, and that's exactly right, and and that's the thing though. You you've got to you've got to start somewhere, and you've got to start in that point where, as you said, equal playing field. And and by doing that, you have to society as we know it has to make a massive dramatic shift. Like you've got like for argument's sake, and I'll probably get labelled racist for this. Is it's the the all the bull crap that goes along with the Indigenous Australians? All like oh, the, the you stolen this, you stolen that. Give us uh, all this. Uh, all this stuff that you get from Centrelink, blah, 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 blah. Now, how on earth are we meant to mend a bridge when there's inequality the other other way and we have to accept it as, oh, yeah, no, it's because they're, they're Indigenous, they get this. Mm. And and it goes all, all over the show. It's And it's not just that. You've got to look at things like uh, the the family law courts. Yeah. How, how, how they're, 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 there's all these little things that, that benefit each different uh, group of people, not just men, not just women, everyone. Everyone, Everyone's is the inequality everywhere. Exactly. And, and that's where we need to address it. We need to change that. When we change that, we can move on. But the thing is, when you start taking things away from people and, and go, all right, no, no, we're going to make some changes, people arc up like you do not believe mm-hmm. because, oh, you're taking this away from me. This is going to make it unfair for me. I'm like, no, no, it's not. Listen to us for a second. We just want to make it equal for everyone. And why is that wrong? Well, it's it's also we live in a day and age where, you know, everybody is perceived to have a voice now with the advent of social media and the internet. So it makes it a lot easier for these sort of things to become an issue. And, um, you know, when for the most part, a large majority of these things that are, quote, issues aren't actually issues, uh, but they are perceived to be issues because... You know, you get a couple of people, uh, you know, share a few things and all of a sudden somebody picks it up and it gets 20,000 likes. So, oh, my God, this person is being treated poorly. And it's like, well, if you actually read it. And, and, then, and then someone starts a change.org petition and then bam. Yeah. I think we need to start a change.org petition to um, get the brink some more listeners. How does that sound? That that's a That's a big inequality out there in this world we live in. I agree. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Before I let you go, Josh. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a wide-ranging, open-ended question. You've been involved in this show more than most. But, uh, I mean, do you have one standout memory from any period of the brink? It could be when you're in the studio, when you're doing some of these podcast episodes, any moment in the history of the, uh, you know, I guess 15, 16-year history of the brink in its many different forms. Oh mate, uh, our was it our two hundredth episode? Mm-hmm. Where where we had we had uh, Tim Franklin, we had yep. Chris Hamley, the, the, like just all those people in there. Yeah, that that was probably one of my favourite because it was one of those 
wow, we've we've actually accomplished something. I, I always, uh, Sam said that earlier in this episode that his favourite probably moment was the 300th because he wasn't there for the 200th. Yeah, and no, I always enjoyed those centennial shows. Uh, they were always a lot of fun. And, um, you know, they kind of waned off a little bit towards the end just because, you know, when we became a daily show, they were more frequent, but it was kind of a bigger deal when we were a weekly show. So, I mean, I remember your, you, you and I having the 100th show. It was just you and I in the studio, just us. But then, yeah, it kind of advanced every single time. But uh, I'm just quickly looking here. You, you hosted 92 two episodes with me you behind my behind myself you hold the record for most episodes hosted so um you know you've got the history you've got the most bit there you're ahead of anthony and dakota so um yeah no you you are the man josh you are the man you were there from the beginning and you're still here with me and i'm not gonna say it's the end because it's still gonna go hopefully but uh yeah you're still here that's good well, that's good. No, that, 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 that's the goal, really. Always life. is. Always is. Josh, always a pleasure, mate. We know you're going to speak to you again soon. These always happen sporadically, but they're always fun when they do happen. So, Josh, thank you very much. And uh, big shout-out to all those 700-odd people who think of you as the number one person in Bega to control their lives. <laughs> that's it. Thanks, mate. I'll see you soon. As we continue to relive classic co-hosts and guests of the past on this episode today, it's a pleasure to welcome back a man who, uh, of course, used to be in the studio a lot. Every Tuesday it really was. Uh, 33 episodes he uh, hosted alongside me in the good old days of Edge Radio and then continued on as a bit of a correspondent on our podcast years. It's been uh, quite some time since we've actually had him on the show, which has been a bit disappointing, but it's a pleasure to have him back on the program today. It's Paul Luttrell. Paul, welcome back to The Brink. Yeah, hey. It's good to be here. It's been a while. It has. Good to good to have you back. I mean, a lot lots happened in our lives and the lives of the world and everything along those uh, lines since we last spoke. But uh, here we are, and uh, yeah, I mean, the brink thirty three episodes. You you did that over quite a short amount of time, and uh, you know, good times though. You're our Tuesday correspondent. We like that having you in on a Tuesday. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I didn't enjoy getting up super early, but. Uh, <laughs> And, I'm, and the Banjo's coffee just wasn't amazing at all. But I had to have something to get me going. Um, I didn't realise it was 33. I didn't think it was that many. But, um, yeah, I guess they all add up pretty quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, behind sort of, I guess, you know, myself, then Josh, Anthony, Dakota, and Sam, I guess, uh, you know, ones have been there for quite some time. Yeah, no, you, you lead the rest of the pack. There's kind of this uh, little midfield pack of sort of between about 30 and 20 episodes. But, yeah, no, you were there. And, uh, I mean, I remember you and I met, of course, through Survivor and Survivor Oz stuff and then kind of, you know, had you in a few times and then it stuck through there. You you managed to uh, be sort of the, the voice of ice hockey as well with me, which is a lot of fun. So I think we did quite a fair bit over those years i mean do you have sort of any you know key memories that you have like big moments you i remember my best one just a random one for you is you took your very first selfie i believe with us in the studio when we had the uh, police commissioner on the show yeah i remember that um yeah no it was a lot of good uh, a lot of good times i think ice hockey was always great um yeah some of the i think just just calling some of the really exciting games and and lots of um, the really physical games, they were the, the great ones. I think we got really excited about those, just seeing, uh, I can't remember his name now, but the guy who we were always talking up is just like, you know, the guy with so much talent and he would just... Oh, Richard Fox. Richard Fox, yes. Yeah. Always, that was amazing, just seeing him go out there. He was uh, definitely a firecracker. Um, yeah, it would have been great to see a bit more of him. But, yeah, talking about 
ice hockey uh, commentating on that was really really enjoyable. Which was which was sad. I think the last game that we ended up calling was uh, the twenty seventeen grand final. It would have been when your Red Barons finally lifted the trophy, and they did it last year as well. Back to back premiers, yeah. the Red Red Barons. I mean, you you sort of you you missed out on seeing your team finally yeah. take home the trophy. Yeah, definitely called it quits while I was behind there. Um, <laughs> it's not a good thing. No, no. But they've they expanded the league. I think they've added another team, I believe, this season from what I've seen online. So, uh, yeah, a lot has changed, I believe. And I sort of um, – I had the opportunity to – I was actually in Tasmania last year when the grand final was on, but kind of just didn't really feel the need to go back. I felt like I left it at a good time and things had sort of changed. But, um, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed those days. They were good. As were the Survivor Oz days. I mean, it's, yeah. it's weird. Are, are you – how are you with Survivor at the moment? Because, you know, I haven't really chatted in a while. I mean, are you still – watching it because are you kind of like me like it's a few people like myself who have kind of stepped away from survivor for a little bit because of how it sort of changed up a little bit but are you, are you still watching it paul I, I yeah i'm watching it i'm not listening to any podcasts on it i'm i'm just watching it each week um and not really talking that much about it yeah i still kind of enjoy just watching the show um but not i wouldn't say i'm a super fan at the moment hmm it's it's interesting because, yeah, I, I seem to get that real vibe because, like, yeah, as I gave up, I think, three or four episodes into Ghost Island. I'm just like, this is, like, this is just the worst I've ever seen. And <laughs> I'd been very burnt out after 2017 with the amount of coverage that we had done. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take a rest. Like, I'm not quitting and giving up forever. I, I still love the show. I just, I just need to take a rest. And I'm going to get there eventually. I think I'm going to be before season 40 or if they make season 39 a US versus Canada season, I'll definitely catch up before then. But uh, I do know a lot of people who have either stepped away, done similar things to me, or even like as you just said, like kind of still watches it, but not really sort of on the thing. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just kind of getting a bit tiring? They're just making some bad decisions when it comes to the casting and the, and the twists they've got at the moment? Yeah, possibly. I think maybe it's just more me, my tastes changing a little bit. I think when you're really, really into something for a short period of time and you've got other people around you that are kind of adding to it and you can talk about it, um, yeah, it does. After a while, maybe you just do get a bit burnt out. Um, so, yeah, not having anyone to really talk about it with, um, it kind of doesn't really have the same weight in terms of my interest or anything anymore. Um, yeah, it, casting, it's, I mean, it has been a bit, a bit shit. I'm not really a big fan of this season bringing back four mm. returns. It's not fun, but anyway, I mean, the show can still be really good at times, but yeah, I'm just not really super into it. And you lived in the UK for a brief period since we last spoke. I mean, is it a thing in the UK? Do they even show it on TV still over there? Oh, I, I think I had one conversation with a housemate about she was really, really into reality TV and I took, spoke to her about doing, um, you know, things with Survivor podcasts and things like that and she said, oh, okay, but it didn't seem like it was – she didn't really include it in her idea of what reality TV is. I think she was more into like The Bachelor and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it didn't seem like it was a big thing in the UK, but then again, I didn't speak to that many people about it. How, how was that experience living in the UK? Uh, I mean, you're only there for a short amount of time, but, do you, you know, that lifestyle over there, is it much different? And, and do you get involved? Like, you're a bit of a sports fan, you know, do you, do you have a Premier League team? Did you get one over there? I mean, kind of things like that that you got involved with when you were there? I didn't. I kept on saying to myself, I've got to go to uh, a football match, or I would say a soccer match and everything yeah. else. <laughs> football. 
I'd say, oh, no, not AFL, soccer. Just <laughs> <laughs> kind of set up. But, yeah, I didn't, I didn't go along. Um, lifestyle, it was, I mean, it wasn't that different to here. The weather was dreadful. <laughs> um, I don't know, the place that I was stuck in, I don't want to badmouth it, but it was a bit of a shithole. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I probably didn't go to one of the liveliest places around. Um, it was a bit depressing in terms of just... I don't know. Let's. There were lots of different things that really bugged me about the place, mm. um, but yeah, it, it was it was an interesting experience. I think going there, at least I know now um, that I, I don't have any regrets or anything like that. Whereas if I didn't go, I probably would have been kind of always thinking, you know, what what if? I guess if I didn't go and see what it was like living overseas. Now that I've been, I kind of I know maybe that. Maybe I'd idealised what it would be like when, in fact, it is just another, you know, another place where average people live and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly the feeling because it's kind of, it's interesting living over here. It's sort of, um, I often have to remind myself sometimes that I'm actually in another country, I think, because, you know, New Zealand yeah. very, very similar to Australia and particularly I think the part of the country I'm in, it's, you know, got a lot of elements about Tasmania to it. So, it's kind of just a... Yeah. Sometimes you you realize, oh right, yeah, New Zealand, that's where I am. But uh, you you would have been there obviously in a quite good time. I mean, you and I talk a little bit about Trump. We'll bring him him up in a minute. But in terms of things yeah. like Brexit and everything like that, I mean, that yeah. must have been a fun time to be living over there, at least with all that going on. Uh, it was interesting. I think I tried to have a few conversations with people. I'd bring it up and just say, look, as an outsider, this is what I think. And it was it was strange to see people's reaction. I think they they were hesitant to bring it up bring it up because it was so divisive. I think. Particularly people who were who voted leave, they really didn't want to own up to it that much. It's almost like they thought that they'd be stigmatised as you know racist or something like that, which is completely unfair. I think. I mean, if you there's lots of different reasons to vote leave, um, and so it was interesting. It always seemed like the people who did vote leave, when they eventually did break down why they did it, there were lots of considered arguments. Whereas the people who voted remain tended to be just like it, you know, have really superficial arguments like it's it's racist to vote leave or it's, you know, where we've got to stay united or something like that, just really superficial things. So yeah, it was interesting. It kind of sounds a little bit like, you know, when you talk to Americans about sort of well, some Trump supporters, I guess, who are afraid, ashamed to admit them. I mean, obviously you got to, that's a little bit different, but... Um, I mean, how, you know, you used to talk about Trump every week. It's probably been a good yeah. year since you and I have talked about him. So, a lot has happened. We won't go over everything. But uh, where, where's your perspective lying on uh, on El Presidente right now? Because I think that the biggest thing that's amazing to think is that we're only, what, about 19 months away from the election, aren't we? So, mm-hmm. it's kind of we're really into those closing moments where things are going to get even more interesting at this point. Yeah, yeah. I think my my perspective is changed quite a bit i think um i think going back to when we were doing the the podcast about or the the weekly uh, episode on trump i didn't really listen to the other side that much and it was hard to find kind of intellectuals who were kind of representing the right-wing perspective i guess um but i guess listening to the reasons why people actually voted for trump and what he's actually doing getting beyond that kind of you know left-wing media bias, I guess, is kind of, it's, it's interesting and you realise there are actually um, well-thought-out 
arguments for the other side. So Trump, I mean, I still don't like the guy in terms of his, you know, what he represents and, and whatever, but I, I don't think he's been a bad president. I think he's done some pretty good things. Wow. Um, yeah. What, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm not asking this in any form to sound like I'm disagreeing or anything. I, I legitimately would like to know kind of, cause I, I like that perspective that you're saying about how it's hard to, I guess, find, I guess, intellectual people to talk more about the positives of that side. Cause it is, it seems yeah. to be, it's obviously very much biased against Trump, but what, what are some things that you legitimately feel that he has done good for, for the U S during his presidency? Well, I think the tax cuts have done, have been great. I think they've um, freed up essentially the, you know, financial sector, economic sector. You've got unemployment's pretty low, GDP's great. Um, I mean, black unemployment, Hispanic unemployment's the lowest it's been for you know, ever, I think, pretty close to that. Um, I mean, prison reform's going well. He just did an executive order that um, enforcing free speech on college campuses, something that I'm really, you know, I'm, I call myself just about a free speech absolutist. It's one of my hmm. big things and it's it's that's one of the things that's really troubling about the left at the moment this is why i've kind of it's changed my perspective is the insistence on people people who would say that they identify with the left um wing and, and, and believing in those policies now pushing for restrictions on speech which is something that i just can't can't um can't get on board with mm. it's 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 really interesting to hear that and i think kind of i read an article recently where they were pointing out that the chances of him getting reelected are actually a lot higher than people, I think, yeah. realise. And, and I guess kind of, you know, on kind of some of the things you were saying, I mean, would you think that now? Do you think that he, he has every chance of being reelected next year? Yeah, well, I think that in the wake of a bunch of different, um, you know, media stories that have just completely been proven false, um, you know, Russia collusion, that now essentially has been exonerated, or not exonerated, has he been exonerated? It's essentially found no evidence of Pretty collusion. Pretty much so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, um, what else do we have? We've got the, there was the Covington kids thing, I think people, there was that whole, did you? No, I'm not that? familiar with that one. So you had the Covington kids where they had the MAGA hat on. and it was Oh, shown. that one, right. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And kind of it was, yeah, portrayed very one-sided until you yeah. saw the full video and realised what actually had happened. Yes, no, I do remember that, yes. Yeah. And then there was the Jussie Smollett thing. Do you know that guy? Uh, sounds familiar. Refresh my hoax, memory. Hoax the hate crime. Mm, mm-hmm. So yep. There's been three, three pretty big news stories there that have been that demonstrated you know, the media having this bias against Trump. I think people in the wake of that are kind of very, very sceptical of anything the media says. Um, So, yeah, I think people are are willing to maybe look beyond this kind of character assassination um, and and just look at the policies, hopefully. Mm. Well, that's, I guess, ideally what would be nice in the world of politics, wouldn't it? Um, But... You know, I mean, we've got a, the own, our own election in Australia happening soon, which I, I, I'm not allowed to vote in, which I've talked about, I think, before. Uh, now that I've left the country and I've declared that I have no plans to return in the next five years, uh, they remove you from the electoral roll and I'm no longer allowed to vote in the Australian election. Did you know that was a thing? I did not know that. I thought that you had, once you were there, like, because there's always the possibility that you could come back in the next mm. week. Yep, um, no, no. Nope. 
once you were there, maybe once you had, perm, uh, like, um, what is it called? It's permanent residency. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. residency. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's an odd thing because. I mean, when I say that to my dad, my dad's like, oh, maybe I'll fill that for me and I don't want to vote. Like, it's kind of, it's, and it's an odd thing because I then randomly in the last month or so, I got like an email from the Australian Electoral Commission saying like, you're not enrolled to vote. You must be enrolled to vote. And I sort of contact them like, guys, I rang you before I left the country. You told me to fill in a form. I ticked a box saying, you know, yes, don't intend to return to Australia within the next five years. And you said, I'm not allowed to vote. And they sort of checked my file. I'm like, oh, no, you're right. Yep, no, that's fine. Thanks, bye. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'll vote. Like, I'm not complaining. I want to vote, but you're telling me I can't vote. So it's like, you know, what's happening? Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I, yeah, I, I mean, we've got the election coming up. I have no idea who I'm going to vote for now. Um, yeah, it's kind of... Don't think there are any Australian politicians that I really agree with strongly on anything. It's it's a, it's such an odd political time I feel because like I yeah. probably not into politics as much as say like yourself or some other people, but I I like to keep on you know top of things. But to me, there's just Australian politics is in just such a flat state where there's like yeah. everyone kind of blends into a point where they're almost very similar, and it's kind of. You know, even you you can see why there is such support in some aspects for people like Pauline Hanson and that. Not necessarily, I'm saying I agree with her policies or anything, but it's just kind of people seem to want something different or kind of they listen a little bit more because they've given more of a platform. And you kind of when you look at Morrison and and Shorten, like yeah, they've got their policies and all that sort of stuff in place, but is are you really getting what you vote for in the end of the day just because they're so similar on so many things? Yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, you look at American politics and there are the big personalities and people who actually symbolise these ideals and, and do try and you know, fight for it. I think that we do have that widening of the political gap, I guess, the polarisation where it's now acceptable for Bernie Sanders or Alexander Ocasio-Cortez to, to say they are socialists, which hmm. is kind of frightening, but then at least... You know they're saying what they're actually what they actually want. They're actually um, you know committing to an ideal. When they, and then you have on the other side, I mean Trump, and and a lot of Republicans are pretty staunch capitalists. So it's it's kind of interesting in that. Whereas I think in Australia we have it's a good in many ways that you have people who maybe are a little bit more moderate and um, essentially willing to compromise and, and make deals, which great but then it's just it's really hard to get a grasp on who represents what who who's really standing up for these values that you believe in mm, yeah definitely interesting and it's it's interesting living over here at the moment with the the love for jacinda that's happening at the moment and then um kind of then looking at sort of a canadian perspective through colin and mallory about how mr trudeau went from being like the the hottest things in sliced bread yeah. and now apparently he's got no chance of being re-elected this year so it's, it's kind of just it's yeah. that swings and roundabouts nature of politics isn't it yeah it is i think that yeah it's it, it is interesting the way things change um but yeah trudeau I don't, know, I don't really know about what's what's happened to him recently, but I don't think I've ever really been a fan of Trudeau. Mm, no, you don't like his bum. That's what everybody in Australia seems to like. They, <laughs> they seem to know what was happening except for his bum looks good in jeans, basically, I think. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. It very is. Um, before I let you go, uh, just a quick mention, um, Essendon, bad start. How are you looking at for the rest of the I had to bring it up, Paul. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really, really disappointing. I kind of... <laughs> I don't know. I was looking forward to that game for a while and then, yeah, 
it's going to be a long season. Do you, do you <laughs> think that it was just a blip? I mean, because you guys do have a pretty good team. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think just watching the game, it just made me realise, okay, yeah, we have, we kind of need a tall forward. Um, so Hooker and Danaher being out hurt us a bit. But, yeah, everyone just looked flat. It just seemed like, you know, they maybe hadn't freshened up enough coming into the first game. That's all I can really blame it on. Other than that, then if that's that's going to be the standard in which they're operating throughout the season, don't think we're going to min- win many games. Well, it was, yeah, I didn't see much of it. But, um, you know, look, again, as a, as a Carlton supporter, I'm not going to say that I wasn't uh, happy to see them lose by so much. But, again, I'm a Carlton supporter, so I can't really uh, go out there and brag too much. Uh, so I will for the women's team. That's about it. I keep saying that this episode, you know, Carlton are in a grand final. It's the women's uh, team. It's great. I'm hoping that we can win a premiership. But we won't because Adelaide are too good. So, anyway. Um, Paul, it's a pleasure, mate. We'll have to get you back on again at some point uh, to do this more frequently because, uh, yeah, I miss these chats and uh, always plenty to talk about. But thank you for your time today and uh, obviously thank you for your contribution to the Brink over the years as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, looking forward to coming on if you have anything in the pipeline. Um, Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, Really good to talk again. Cheers. I can't even remember the last time we had our next guest on. It's been that long, but it's it's all good weights must come to an end because a lot has happened since he last appeared on this show. Uh, he is the second most important person in all of Glenorchy and uh, arguably the third most important co-host we ever had on this show. It is, of course, Mr. Matt Stevenson. Matt, welcome back to the brink. Ben, Ben, welcome. Thank you very much for having me, mate. I, I, I apologise. I just... Um, blew really hard into the microphone on, on my Scott headset because I was laughing at the uh, the second most important person in Glenorchy, which I would love to be, but I certainly not. But, oh, come on! <laughs> I'll take it anyway, my friend. You I'll are. take it anyway. You are. Um, yeah. You you were a co-host on our show for eighteen episodes uh, in the year two thousand and ten, nearly a decade ago now, Matt. Uh, it's, it's still got to be the best eighteen weeks of your life, though, when you were uh, on our show every single week back then. It was bloody brilliant, to be honest. So we uh, we had a great time back then. I wish I wish I still had time to do those sorts of things. To be honest, it was um, uh, it was something I look forward to getting up for that little period of time. Unfortunately, uh, time is a uh, a limited resource, and I struggled to to slot it in and be appropriately prepared as you always were. I was finding that. I couldn't quite prepare myself, so but no, no, I, it was brilliant, mate. Absolute fond memories. I still remember vividly meeting you for the first time when I was working at Sanity, and you were, of course, uh, back then running for for state parliament, and you were going around handing out flyers and introduce yourself, and I was like, "Hey, I've got a radio show; you should come on." And it kind of it kind of went from there. And I really think that in my entire life, I've never had a politician like yourself come in and sort of so openly introduce themselves uh, as they're kind of running for a campaign. So it worked. You you managed to get your, your name out there enough that uh, you got a radio show out of it and eventually you got into council and eventually now you're, you're Mr. Deputy Mayor of Glenorchy. So it, it, it all started from dropping off into sanity that day. Yeah, it's, um, it's quite interesting though, Ben, because uh, I don't know whether you, you know, but the management of Northgate where sanity was, Northgate's the shopping centre for those people that don't know, just sort of uh, uh, as a standard, stock standard shopping centre with all the um, standard supermarkets and bakeries and targets and <laughs> all those sorts of things, clothes shops. Um, 
Insanity. I'm not sure where the sanity. Does sanity still exist? Oh, yeah, yeah. Last they time I was there, gone. they were, but I mean, gosh, that changes all they, the time. They haven't gone blockbusters way yet. Not yet. yet. But, um, <laughs> but you're meant to get permission from the centre management for that sort of thing, and I wasn't aware of that. So not long after I'd handed Jim a flyer, I got chased out of there um, by some big belly security guards. Really? Um, wow. Well, they were polite. So, um, <laughs> nonetheless, I wasn't going to argue with them because they were a lot bigger than I was. So, <laughs> what's the permission you need? Because is it is it advertising or is it politically? Like, is that kind of what it comes down to? Uh, it, 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 I think it's just general uh, space because it's it's a privately owned centre. Mm-hmm. It's not like walking down the street where you can meet people. Uh, they can control as. Uh, What's the John Howard saying? We will control those who come to our country and the circumstances in which they come. Yep. Uh, I, I think uh, I think that's um, uh, Northgate's prerogative to control uh, who crosses <laughs> the border. Stop the boats. Stop the boats coming to Northgate. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm not going to go down the the the, the uh, um, conversation around the pros and cons of uh, border security but nonetheless they, they control the keys mate so uh they duly kicked my ass out of there i mean beep um kick my backside out of there so they they went that way yeah. but i mean a bit has changed though since obviously you were last on the show in any capacity uh all jokes aside you uh were elected as the deputy mayor of glenorchy um congratulations long overdue obviously uh but i mean how how have you found that role currently uh, I love it. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, I gather you've picked up a few listeners in in New Zealand as well, have you? Of course. You? You know we, are, we are the yeah. number one podcast in all of Invercargill. Oh, excellent, excellent. Uh, there is a Glenorchy in New yes. Zealand. So let's, let's uh, just clarify for that. All those uh, that are listening from New Zealand that Glenorchy is a city just out of Hobart in Tasmania. Uh, our cousins over in Tasmania. Um, uh, yeah, so we're a city of about 40,000 residents, a bit more, 44,000, 45,000 residents. But the, the, and it was January last year, we got elected elected as deputy mayor, but the preceding four years before that were quite controversial and uh, a lot of upheaval through the council. And um, uh, having gone through the period of maladministration that uh, it was. It was quite testing and trying, and it was really a strong relief to come through the other side, have our uh, positions vindicated and be elected on the other side. Uh, now we've got to pick up the pieces, and there are quite a few legacy issues that we've got to deal with, but we're dealing through those, and my comment to the mayor and the general manager is, It'll be a quite a nice place when we become really boring because <laughs> uh, while we've been certainly in the limelight through the local press uh, over here, uh, we cannot ever have been uh, classified as boring over the last four years and I'm quite looking forward to being boring or or, or talking about the positive things anyway. Well, so. do, do you use it to your advantage, though, or does it get you much of an advantage? Do you, do you, do you get recognised? Like, do you go into, you know, I don't know, KFC in Northgate and they give you an extra chicken strip or something like that? Uh, I haven't, no. I haven't I haven't got an extra chicken strip on my <laughs> KFC order. Um, it's quite funny. I, I, I quite often go down to the supermarket in my tracksuit pants and uh, dodgy T-shirt and no one, had, no one 
picks me up or um, recognises me down there. So uh, I usually pride myself on wearing a suit and tie. <laughs> uh, so maybe it's the distinction. They can't quite figure it out. But, um, uh, look, there are people that recognise me, but I try and avoid using it to my advantage. Oh, well, you're going to get that extra crispy strip. I think you deserve it. You know, everyone deserves an extra, extra crispy chicken strip from KFC, do they not? <laughs> well, look, I'll, I'll take it if they, they put it in there um, next time. <laughs> I, I, think... I don't go to KFC too often. So. No, no, you're more of a McDonald's man, Matt, and so it's okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I like my like like my chips inside my cheeseburger at Macca's. Yeah, yeah, who doesn't? Uh, but it's interesting because, I mean, since being here in Invercargill and kind of you know, I, I I started my rounds back in the day at the Mercury with council sort of stuff, but, you know, doing a bit at the Duant Valley uh, Council and kind of here, you know, we've got a couple of councils that I have to deal with. But um, I'm not sure if you're too familiar with somebody called Tim Shadbolt on this side of the world. He's uh, probably New Zealand's most famous mayor, uh, a very well-known figure in this side of the world. Have you ever heard that name mentioned before? Yeah, Tim and I go way back, actually. So we're uh, third cousins. Oh, so, there you uh, go. Yeah. Right. No, we're not. Well, no, I have no idea who he is at all. <laughs> he basically, I, 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 as, we're, as we're talking, I'm, I'm do it. Uh, desperately googling. Him. Google it quickly, because I mean, he's, he's a very interesting. When I came to New Zealand and then I found out I had a job in this part of the country, pretty much the first thing people said to me was, "Ah, oh, you'll meet Mayor Tim." Like, you know, you know, he's this, this icon, and he was mayor of a, a part of Auckland for a long time, then came down here in the. Uh, I think the '90s, and he's the, currently the longest-standing mayor in in this country, and uh, he he really is a, a bit of a celebrity figure in this part of the world. Which, again, New Zealand, not not that hard unless you play rugby or something along those lines. But um, <laughs> I mean, he did appear in uh, the world's fastest Indian. So if you if you do remember that film, he has a bit of a cameo in that. So uh, you know, you could you could move to a, a smaller part of the world one day, become mayor, and you could be like the famous most famous mayor in I don't know Nigeria or something. like like that maybe one day yeah I, i've just um found the source of all truth wikipedia and he he was also television host for some documentaries in the series called that's fairly interesting yeah um i'm not sure what classifies as fairly interesting but um, very humble people be... than new zealanders you know yeah. like to have that's interesting <laughs> and oh it's fairly interesting so we'll do a bot on the yeah yeah oh he also is in uh Celebrity special of the weakest link. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, gee, he is a big show over there, Ben. He's, he's a That's big deal. Amazing. He and he was knighted yeah. in the uh, New Year's Day honours issue, so he's now Sir Tim Shadbolt of uh, New right. Zealand. So uh, there you go. Definitely recommend uh, trying to get that statue one day, Matt. You know, when eventually you... well, I can't. We can't anymore. So um, we can't get knighted over here in Australia. That's the, right. The, Tony Abbott brought it back in. Knighted. Uh, Prince Philip, <laughs> Prince Philip of all people, yeah. uh, and then they kicked it back out again. So I, I think that was uh, <laughs> look uh, with all due respect to Prince Philip. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we can see why he didn't last that long of... after that as prime minister. I feel yeah, it may have been a wasted opportunity <laughs> to be honest. But uh, how how else is everything going for you in in the life of Matt Stevenson? Uh, you know, life life treating you very well at the moment. It's going really well. It's going really well. So as you mentioned, I'm I'm deputy mayor of the Glenorchy Council, but uh, that's not a full time role. I, I have another role outside of that, and I manage uh, the administration of the school of nursing at the University of Tasmania, uh, which is based in 
strewn over Hobart and Launceston, which is a couple of hundred kilometres up the road, as you know. Uh, and we have a couple of campuses in Sydney. So, Oh, really? Um, wow. Yes, the University of Tasmania in Sydney. Um, Perfect sense. Which is, yeah, yeah no, it does. It does indeed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good, profitable uh, uh, campus for us. Um, and then outside of that, I three kids and uh, they're keeping me on my toes and uh, still going to the gym and enjoying my, my CrossFit that I do. Um, we just went through the CrossFit Open, which I'm sure you know all about. Oh, on top of all uh, of it. Couldn't stop following it. It was great. Yeah. So I was trying to get in the top 200 Masters um, uh, across the world, but I had a injury and uh, earlier in sort of November last year and haven't been able to train. So that went out the door, but they're doing it again in October. So I'll pick myself back off the floor and see if I can uh, – uh, achieve that tick box uh, in October. I have every confidence that you'll do that, Matt. You're a man who, Thanks, who can achieve that as well. But uh, your connections with Utah, then, since you work with them, you must be getting a lot of uh, freebies to the footy then up in Launceston to go watch your beloved Hawks. I mean, do you get the corporate box? Is that how it works? Well, I wish. I haven't. This is a sad, sad thing, Ben, is that since. Well, it's not really. The. In all the time I've been up there, I went and watched a practice match many, many years ago, but I've been to watch about – no, not about. I've been to watch one game of footy. Wow. Uh, Hawks in Lonnie. Uh, it was against Carlton. I was at that game, uh, yep. Yeah, it was the most dismal display of footy I've ever seen from both sides, to be truthful. Um, we we came home with a win, but it was a disgraceful game. I've seen more games of Hawthorne in Melbourne than I have in Tassie. So uh, I'll have to have a chat to Rufus, uh, the VC, and see if he can give me the keys to the corporate box. But I I don't like my luck, to be honest. That's crazy, crazy. I think think I've been to two up there. I mean, I I don't – if I don't have to go to Launceston, I won't go to Launceston. That's kind of my viewpoint of the place. But uh, I think I'm I'm actually – they've opened a poutinery up there, so it's almost, uh, you know, tempting to go there. But, yeah, I saw that – Colton game. I think we went up to watch the uh, the year before. I think when Fremantle at that point were undefeated, weren't they? And it kind of it was you know the reigning premiers up against the undefeated. It was meant to be a good game, but your boys wiped the floor with them. It was about eighty odd points. It was a disappointing game, but uh, yeah. I mean, do you go along to the Kangaroos games down in Hobart? I've only been to one Kangaroos game as well. I go quite a lot across to to watch the Hurri- Hurricanes play. Mm-hmm. So I love going over to watch a quick Big Bash League, but. Um, I've got kids in sport, mate. I'm dad with three kids, and uh, particularly the youngest two love their soccer, uh, and soccer stops for no AFL match, <laughs> I can assure you. Uh, so <laughs> quite often we're caught up with uh, uh, soccer and kids and running about. So uh, I unfortunately haven't been, but I, I quite often go to the local local footy down here too, so I can have a, uh, a, a bit closer to the sideline with my beer and my pie and yeah get honk the horn in the car is that one of those real local ones uh, you know very australian tradition of being in the car honking the horn at every goal yeah well you quite often can do that and get the car twice you get you've got to make sure you don't park the car behind the goals because uh you can get a football through the window as of <laughs> before <laughs> how, how are you feeling about your hawks though this year i mean it's only been one game but you guys got a pretty good win the other day yeah, really good. We've got, uh, uh, as all your New Zealand listeners will know, uh, we've got Tom Scully hopefully coming back. 
new recruit this year coming back into the lineup. We lost Tom Mitchell, who was our star last year through injury. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm hopeful we'll put up a good fight throughout the year as to how I, I reckon we'll make finals. But as to how deep we'll go, well. Um, I'm as good as any armchair expert is, mate, and I'm usually a fair way wrong by the end of the year, so we'll just see. I'm I'm happy to get out there each week and barrack for the side and just hope hope, hope we go the right way. Um, but I'm in, as we mentioned, I, about talk about footy, mate. I, I'm in for the first time for the last, I reckon, five years. I haven't been involved in any sort of footy tipping competition because I'm woeful at putting my darn tips in. I just forget. Um, and they've got all these Thursday night games, which makes it even harder for me because as forgetful as I'm just so forgetful. And I'll get to Thursday or Friday and I think, oh, gee, I've stuffed, stuffed my tipping up again. Uh, but I'm involved in a fantasy footy league this year, ah. which was, oh, I turned up. We had a draft day with all the teams. We've got 12 people involved and we all select our players. And I turned up to this draft up at a local pub and all the boys were there with their computers and laptops set up to get on the their players and they've done all the research and I was like so which button do I press to draft a player? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a bit that uh, way. I think I did a, I did fantasy footy one year and um my dad put me in some competition with all his workmates, super competitive and all this sort of stuff and I'm just like, did I win a game? Like, what's going on? Like, oh, Ben, you got to trade this player. They're injured. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay, cool. I'll just do this. Like, you know, you... Oh, that to me is more complicated than putting in uh, nine tips every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, I'm a little bit nervous and anxious about it. So I forgot again last night was a Thursday night game. Um, and uh, Collingwood gave Richmond a bit of a touch-up, to be honest. Uh, and But I've got a few... Collingwood players in the mix. I've got Grundy and uh, Dane Beams in my side and a couple of others. Uh, all of them played out of their skins. And so I got off to a good start this week, which was quite good. So I think I've, I've got nearly half the score I scored last week. In one out game. Out of four players. That's in good. In four players this week. So uh, here we go. That's here we good. go. I feel it. I feel it. It's going to be a good week. See, I, I'm on the uh, the F1 fantasy team this year, and it's kind of it's a little bit less as tricky as as footy because you've only got a couple of drivers and generally one team. But um, got up to a woeful start at Albert Park, and now all of a sudden this weekend in Bahrain, I'm hoping to pick some points up. <laughs> what are you drafting your 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 um, tire changes or your? <laughs> It's more of a case, uh, not not quite that complicated. I wish it would be, because yeah. then maybe you'd, you'd have an edge over some of these people. Just like, oh yeah, Ricardo Hamilton. Yep, that'll do. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. Before I let you go, Matt, wide open question for you here. Again, it's it's been a long time since you were a co-host on the show. You said nearly a decade, but do you have any you know standing memories that you remember from uh, you know back when you were involved in the show? Oh, there are many brilliant ones. There are absolutely many brilliant ones. Uh, our, our good mate Arnie that used to drop yep. by, uh, so that that was fantastic. And I, um, I don't know uh, whether they're still in contact, but Arnie and Josh. Yes. Uh, I see Josh has now got his uh, arm in the political game, which is uh, good to see. Uh, uh, um, but thing that stands out for me all the time is just about the only thing that comes to my mind straight away is 
do your scrunchal fold. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, we had to be known for something, um, you know, not just uh, rubbish singing, but uh, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. there's a cheese question here somewhere, but that's the one that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, simple advertising uh, campaign from the 2000s. that stood the yeah. test of time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can. But uh, but on a that, that that is an absolute dead serious uh, memory that always comes to mind. So I'm not in any way, shape, or form uh, uh, trying to <laughs> make a fool of it. <laughs> but but uh, the other thing that was quite amazing was uh, the level of uh, important people or influential people. Don't call them important. Everyone's important, but the <laughs> level of influential people that through your hard work and dedication came on that show uh, was amazing. I, I Ben Waterworth picked up the phone to the Prime Minister's office and getting Prime Ministers and Premiers and uh, opposition leaders and all of the politicians you'll ever get, plus an amazing array of uh, singers and athletes and all that other stuff. Hang on, I'm just going to hang up on a phone call coming through from my boss. Um, yeah, they're not that whoops. important. It's all good. I'll give him a buzz You're back. You're giving me a big uh, head. It's more important. Yes, yeah, exactly. I'll oh, pick your part. <laughs> on my but, shoulders, Matt. Come on now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but but that, that was uh, the tenacity and um, absolute grunt work you put into that to get those sort of people involved, and uh, uh, they jumped out of the way to make it make it work with their diaries. Quite amazing. I I don't think any journo anywhere uh, would. Uh, have as big a pull as you did locally in Tasmania in that time, so you should be pretty proud of uh, what was going on. Well, I am very proud of the fact that one of those really big-name guests became a co-host and his name was Matt Stevenson. So, you know, <laughs> um, we, we did what we could and, uh, yeah, we, we achieved what we could we can. Matt, it's been great to have this catch-up, mate. Uh, really glad that things are working out well for you and that we were able to relive some of these memories here today of uh, your time when you were a co-host on this plucky little show. Indeed, mate. Any time, just not every time. Of all the people that we're getting back on the show this week to celebrate our 100th podcast episode, I'm very excited to speak to our next guest, uh, given that it's been a very long time since we've spoken to him. Uh, was a co-host on the show for only about seven episodes, but I still think seven memorable episodes. It was great to have him on board, and uh, it's about that time I should say who it is. His name is Marcus Johnson, and he's with us now. Marcus, welcome back to The Brink. Glad to be here. It's It's been a while. I'm looking here, uh, 2014, you had this uh, seven-episode stint with us. Uh, so that's five years now. That's crazy to think that. But, um, I mean, a lot changes in five years. How, how's it all been going in the in the land of Marcus? Oh, very, very busy. Been on to a hell, hell of a lot these last five years. What, what, are, what are the highlights? What are the standouts that you would say that have happened in the last five years? Standouts is that I really had the chance to uh, sort of branch out as an MC because I, I do MC work at a bunch of pop culture events uh, around Australia and uh, got to do uh, an interview with one of my favourite voice actors last year. That was pretty amazing. Great. Who's that? Who? who what would we know them for? Uh, it was Megumi Ogata. She's been a she's been voice acting for about twenty six years now. She's the uh, voice of Shinji Ikari in Evangelion and. Uh, Sailor Uranus in uh, Sailor Moon, so she had a lot of very iconic roles. Fantastic, fantastic. Because I know you were heavily involved uh, with the AI Con in in Hobart. Which I mean, is that still going strong each year? Yep, that's still going strong each year. There's uh, been a um, uh, what do you call it? There was a um, it's not 
What's what? What is the what is the, it's like? It's like a buy, but buy is a sporting term. I don't know. There was a buy for this year. I can't think of what the actual word is. It's not happening this year. That's for, a sabbatical. For reasons, but sabbatical. That's the word. There you go. Yes. Thank you very much. No, second sabbatical this year, but uh, should be back for MyCon in Launceston in September. Fantastic, fantastic. And sort of, sort of through that, you've managed to go to these other ones uh, around Australia. Is that kind of like the the Comic Cons and the Armageddons and and places like that? No, not uh, not Comic Con or Armageddon. No, I do the independent circuit. Right. So I've hosted at uh, Manifest, Avcon, Smash, and Animaga and GammaCon. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So that I mean, alongside everything else. Seems like it's, uh, I mean, been really keeping you busy. What, what are, what are some of the, the fun moments that you have at these places? Because I mean, you know, I went to AI, AI Con a couple of times, and obviously, you know, great to see all the people dressing up and all the events that are put on. But uh, I mean, I can imagine you'd have some uh, interesting moments, sort of, particularly having to MC some of those events with some of the people that would be going to those events. One of the best, uh, one of the, one of the most fun moments that I've had was um, it was at GammaCon in twenty seventeen where uh, I was co-hosting their After Dark, and I got to uh, host a quiz night where they had two cosplay guests and the Gamacom president on one side and the, the cast of Good Games Spawn Point on the other. So I got to be, uh, got to be the quiz show host for uh, Bajo, Goose, and Rad, which is absolutely phenomenal. That was just sweet. Wow, you kind of like the Adam Hills on a Spicks and Specs or something along those lines. That's exactly what it was. I'm pretty sure that all the games were taken from Spicks and Specs in some capacity, just renamed so that the legal team didn't come after them. <laughs> That's generally how it works and those sort of things. I mean, is, is kind of that pop culture scene, I guess, um, sort of within Tasmania since the the addition of something like AICon and MyCon and things like that, has it, has it really taken off, I guess, in the last sort of, I don't know, five to ten years? Because, I mean, I know growing up sort of, uh, you know, in the 2000s, there wasn't really many things like that. So it seems to be that there's more and more of those things happening in Tasmania at the moment. Oh, it is booming. Uh, we've got three major pop culture stores that I can name in CVD, probably more. Um, brick and mortar comic stores are really coming back in a big way. There's Dan Solo Comics out in Moody. There's a new one out in New, North, new, new Norfolk. I've heard about the store, but I haven't actually been there myself. don't know what it's called, but uh, if you just Google <laughs> comic books in New Norfolk, you'll probably, probably find the answer. Um, and just there's a there's a gaming bar as well that's opened up quite recently, uh, an esports gaming bar which I I've yet to get to but I've heard nothing but good things about it so it is definitely booming down here. All happening, gee, I left at the wrong time. It seems like that, but uh, I mean your time on the show, as I said, seven episodes. I, I honestly thought you had uh, been involved with more there. I was surprised to see that number actually not uh, higher than that. But uh, I mean, what what particular memories do you have, sort of, on your, your time on, on on the brink? Any particular ones that stand out, even though it was five years ago now, Marcus? Uh, probably the biggest one was when I got to impersonate, uh, do an extremely bad impersonation of Vladimir Putin. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's always great when we manage to get these uh, impersonations because um, I really struggle to think, maybe outside of Josh's Arnold Schwarzenegger, of anyone that actually sounded legitimately anything near any of the people that we tried to do. But, uh, you know, you, you have to do what you can. I, I don't think we ever got you doing any of our Forget the Lyrics, though, did we? I don't think we ever got you singing, which was a bit of a shame. No, thank goodness. <laughs> well, I have a surprise for you today. Not really. Um, put you on the absolute spot there. Have you managed to do sort of anything else around radio, things like that as well, through all these uh, MC gigs that you've been doing over the years since? Uh, I've done a few radio spots doing sort of uh, promotional work for uh, other events. Like I, I've, um, I've gotten involved in uh, One Fest, which is a one-act play festival in Hobart, where I help out with their publicity. And I went and uh, did a radio spot there. 
back in uh, 17 and um, 17? Yeah, 17. I can't I keep forgetting which year it is. I've done I've done some radio spots uh, promoting Icon as well, but um, honestly, uh, live live stage work is most of what I've done. I haven't done a great deal of radio or much stuff on camera. And and you obviously I know heavily involved in kind of that that industry too throughout Hobart. So I mean, is it still something you you're actively involved in? Kind of uh, I guess shows pr- productions that are that are happening. And if so, are there any going on at the moment that you're kind of involved in? Yeah, I'm in my uh, in the first show that I've done for uh, Hobart Rep at the Playhouse Theatre for a very long time. Um, do, I, we're, they do, we're doing a production of Dad's Army, and I'm playing uh, Private Fraser, the grumpy old Scottish man. So that's that's interesting. I can imagine that uh, plenty of is it good or bad Scottish accents along the way there. Look, um, I just impersonated the guy from the show, and I don't I don't really know that it's uh, a particularly good Scottish accent, but it gets a lot of laughs. People are saying that. It's, uh, I actually had someone come to me and say, "Now, oh, Marcus, we can tell you're having a really bad time playing this character, but thanks for making that sacrifice." Well, that's that's all the way you want to do it, and that sort of thing is it too. Um, and I mean, life in general has been going well for you. Uh, we're just mentioning off air, but you're studying, you're working, kind of uh, just just plugging along. How how is everything else going? Everything's going very well. Doing my master of teaching, uh, doing quite well that I think. Uh, working as a salesman in a call center, uh, that is very rewarding. Um, yeah, those, I've got guinea pigs that I look after, they're high maintenance, but um, <laughs> other than that, everything's going very well indeed. And they're legitimate guinea pigs. This isn't just like one of these, you know, creepy mad scientists thing that you've got like a basement with some people in there or something like that, right? Well, I do have a basement with some people in there, no. but I also have guinea pigs. They actually pet at the same True. time. True. Okay. All right. Well, you know, as long as you're honest about it, that, that's fine. That's good to good to hear. Well, I I am intrigued to, to to hear from you after all these years. As I said, it just it seems like you were on for a lot more than seven episodes, but uh, we very much appreciated having you on board, Marcus. And I, I definitely think we're going to have to get you back on again. Maybe we'll chat a little bit more about some of uh, the other great works you're up to. And uh, by all means, you head back over to New Zealand. You know, bring bring some of that uh, you know enthusiasm and some of the the, the pop culture stuff down to the uh, very southern tip down here in uh, in New Zealand because I actually I had to do a story uh, after Stan Lee passed away and it was a bloody struggle to try and find some pop culture stuff happening down here I tell you that yeah it uh, may be worth checking out I've never been to New Zealand but I'd be interested to see what the pop culture scene is like down there hmm, I think there's uh, certain parts of this country would be a little bit more than uh, Invercargill here Marcus mate pleasure to catch up with you best of luck with everything and as I said we'll have to do this again one time soon. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. The old saying is saving the best for last, and I guess that's what we're doing here today when it comes to uh, bringing back some of our uh, former hosts of the program of the brink in our history. And uh, our next guest, nine episodes he uh, hosted with us back in the day, 2012 and 2013 to be precise. And it's been a long time since we've uh, had him back on to chat about things, so it's a pleasure to welcome back to the show Kevin Brown. Kevin, welcome back to the brink. Oh, thank you for having me. You bring a tear to my eye with that uh, intro there. That was lovely. I, I'm glad that I'm bringing a tear to an eye of somebody that's kind of a positive for once. That's um, <laughs> something that I can uh, bring enough. a bit of a smile to my face. But, uh, yeah, been some time. Uh, it's, uh, you know, brief little summary of your life, I guess, in the last six years, Kevin. How's, how's things been going since you last appeared on the brink? Going very well. It's, it's actually hard to believe when you just said to 2012, 2013, that's shocking. I can't believe it's been that long. It feels like it's been 
It just doesn't feel like it's been that long. Mm. So there you go. Yeah. We must be getting older. What's going oh, on? Oh, yeah, that sad little fact of life, isn't it? You know, you you enter a new decade and you've got a, you know, you, you've got a little separate section on the internet now when you do those age drop boxes when it's, you know, you used to be in the 16 to 26 category now. Now you're in the one below it. It's kind of depressing, isn't it? Well, I actually was only observing the other day. Uh, I got up somewhere and I made that sound <laughs> that people make when they get out of a chair. And I was like, oh, no, don't add me to the list. It was kind of like the... As yeah. I was getting up, I was like, no, nah, I got I need to like check myself before that becomes a thing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so no, I'm not, not, we're not quite uh, applying for the pension or the seniors card yet, I don't think. But, uh, no, it certainly has been a while. But, yes, otherwise, going very well, keeping busy, staying out of trouble. Um, you know, jetting off, trying to trying to get a bit of travel under the belt, a bit of uh, cultural uh, um, enrichment and all that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, going well. I like that, cultural enrichment. That's a nice way of looking at it. Uh, one, one thing I enjoy with you, though, Kevin, watching you on social media and everything is you're a very smart man when it comes to predictions and kind of going out of your way and putting this. Because I think you've got something, you've got a knack for this. Because I think the one that I remember the most is the fact that you, I think about a year ahead of the US election in 2016, called it that Trump was going to win this thing. And uh, he did. We clearly know that for a fact. Um, so, you know, you... you yes, you, yes. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you research this? Do you just do it on a hunch? I mean, kind of how do you work out these bold predictions that for the most part always seem to come correct? Uh, well, it's just a vast amounts of reading. I guess I, I don't have I don't have television at home, so my sort of... My go-to would be I like to read lots of things, and I think that's where I came to the conclusion. I was reading a lot of the information about the polls. I thought it was just as much of a joke as what I think everyone else thought it was going to be. But I remember I was reading uh, one of the polls that sort of had the headline, you know, he's down by a mile, not going to win sort of thing. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll read the poll. You know, the, we surveyed 3,000 people, and this many of them were men, and this many were women, etc., etc. And I just remember reading through one of them going, this all looks a bit funny, the information that was sort of like, they were, you know, with this poll, I think it was a CNN one or something, it was like, we interviewed 3,000 people and like 2,200 of them were women. Mm. I'm going, well, that's not, the, that's not the ratio of people who vote women to men. It's like 50-50 that actually vote. So some of them were just like really funny and I think they were trying to like stack it for sort of headlines and yeah, you read enough of them, you, I sort of just concluded, I was like, oh, I think that this guy's actually doing a lot better than we realise, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. We, we heard from Paul earlier on this episode who kind of has sort of changed his tune a little bit on how Trump's doing and kind of we talked a little bit about the chances of him being re-elected seem to actually be quite high now, which a lot of people are probably shocked to realise that. Are you kind of thinking that that will happen again next year then, that uh, he will be re-elected? Uh, yes, I, I, I actually. Well, there you go. You can get a you can get a scoop on that. I can tell you, I've got just as much, if not more, information telling me that he is going to win in twenty twenty uh, than I did showing he's going to win in twenty sixteen. So, wow. uh, you, if you've got any money, screw it away somewhere. Put a couple of dollars on it because it's. Uh, I can tell you, it's a, it's a pretty much a, a sure thing at this point. I, I, the funny farm over there seems to be um, very well geared towards. Um, very well geared towards him winning again. And while they've all been busy fighting over silly stuff, he's actually been raising, like, ridiculous quantities of money as well. So mm. uh, he's, yeah, they're, they're, you know, the Democrats is like 16 running or something now. Yeah. And it's like this total circus is booting back up again. Well, he's not running against anyone. So while they're all splitting the donors, he's just collecting all the money for the whole side of his his, uh, his party. So 
Um, he's he's going to be pretty unstoppable. He'd have to he'd have to come up. He'd have to do something. Well, you say he'd have to do something pretty ridiculous, but I think he's kind of <laughs> getting through the list of ridiculous things to do, and he's still in front. So yeah. um, I don't actually know what he could do at this point that would actually stop uh, him winning. I feel so, like yeah. he could legitimately just like walk down the street naked, start um, you know gyrating against a pensioner. Um, with a, a, I don't know, a Collingwood hat on and yell out that all Jews are evil and he probably still would get elected. I don't know. That was just the weirdest thing that came to my head right then. That is slightly troubling. Yep. Um, that is a little bit disturbing an image you've, you've painted there. But, uh, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think he actually said in the last election, one of his lines was that he said he could go out onto Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and he still would, you know, hold on to his base. So... Um, and I think he's probably not far off the truth, to be honest. I didn't. Didn't Dick Cheney shoot someone over there like fifteen yeah, years ago? Yeah, when like, he was VP, point, like, he, shot the guy. he did shoot someone. Yeah, yeah, no. So whoops. <laughs> anyway, that's um, just what they do in America. Apparently, just randomly shoot people, and they still get they, elected. So um, they they do love shooting people. It's the guns <laughs> things are pretty pretty fun subject for them over there. Yeah, but, um, no, definitely an interesting one. Um, what what memories do you have of your time on the Brink, Kevin? Is there anything that stands out from when you used to come in on those mornings and uh, enjoy the fun of the fair with us? Oh, I just think it was always a good attitude, a good atmosphere. I have to say, I, I don't miss your singing. Um, I certainly am glad that's in my rearview mirror of my life. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure there's a meme somewhere out there with someone taking a fork to their eyes or their ears or something. But that's sort of. Uh, but no, otherwise, it's uh, other than the singing. Uh, yeah, it was just always a fun atmosphere, and I was like, we got a good eclectic uh, mix of people would come in, so it was. It wasn't sort of any monolithic sort of group or anything. It was really just a broad mix of anyone and everyone. So, you know, week to week it was always interesting because you never knew who was going to be throwing at you next and and who we were going to be, you know, sitting with and chatting to and and stuff like that. So, yeah. And I I always appreciated too, we didn't get you on the the qualifying lap, the F1 show, whatever you want to call it, as much as we maybe would have liked. But, um, you know, having that ability to to chat about that world of Formula One. Uh, I mean, do you have any thoughts yes. on kind of the state of where the sport is right now that you can discuss in only a couple of minutes, Kevin? <laughs> Aficion- well, we're, we're fellow aficionados of the F1. Um, oh, well, I think it's probably good now that it's not in Bernie Eccleston's hands. It seems to be trying to reinvent itself a bit at the moment, which I'm really happy to see. Um, you know, it looks like they're... It looks like it could be another Mercedes year, so I don't know how much I want to sort of cry over that. But um, no, generally, generally seems to be going all right. I'm, you know, still I'll be a big fan regardless of the ups or downs. I think that it's, you know, I like the technology and the sort of the strategy and all the all the other dimensions to the sport, including the racing. So it certainly keeps me hooked. But um, mind you, it's always fun trying to get up for some of those North American ones <laughs> at uh, three in the morning and things like that. But good news is that. Um, you know, yeah, it seems, seems to be going well. I'm pretty happy with it. I'm, I'm sad Alonso's gone, but really? I did notice Mick Schumacher's... Wow. Well, he was... He, I quite liked him. He was a good racer, and at least he had a bit of... At least he had a bit of personality to him. He'll Some be of these back. He's already good. testing next week. Come on. We know he's going to be back yeah, in about well, 12 this... months. <laughs> That's true. Well, it'd be good if McLaren could just hurry up and build a bloody car that was half decent. We could. We probably would come back. Well, it's, but, it's hilarious, um, isn't it, with that? Because um, I think we were talking a little bit earlier on this episode with Stewie about this and um, in regards to uh, Honda, that really... Uh, the fact that they did, they're did they doing pretty all right with Toro Rosso and Red Bull was, I think, a pretty bad reflection on how bad McLaren are doing right now, right? 
Well, exactly. I mean, it looked the the the, Honda, uh, the engines come up trumps in the the Red Bull by the looks of things. So you kind of have to ask yourself, what the hell was everyone at McLaren doing last year? But um, that being said, you know, it's uh, year on year. You don't know what they did over the break, but um, they've got a bit of work to work to go, as does Ferrari and a few others. So mm. I'm definitely looking forward to to seeing at this next race how that shakes out, because I think Australia maybe wasn't the best reflection of the true gap, but. Uh, I don't think there's any way you can cut it, though. It looks like everyone other than Mercedes has got their work cut out for them this year, that's for sure. And uh, I think I heard you mention the words Mick Schumacher before, so uh, I guess as Schumacher yes. fans, you and I, we're, we're both looking forward to seeing him, uh, particularly in that red car next week. I mean, it'd be good to see him in any Formula 1 car, but uh, seeing a Schumacher appear in a Ferrari again next week, you, you can't help but get a bit excited about that. Uh, yeah, I have my pom-poms ready uh, by the uh, lounge table there, uh, by the lounge uh, chair, I should say, and um, I'm definitely looking forward to see how he goes. I think he looked very impressive last year, and, uh, well, I, you know, there's going to be, I think I'm going to probably lose lose it the day I get to see uh, a Schumacher name pop back up on the grid at the, at the grid walk or something. Yeah. It'll be a pretty big moment, so... Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty pretty excited about it, and uh, actually, I've I've been recently enjoying all of the old archives on the F1 uh, thing of his father. So, um, I've been watching a few of those. So, I hope he he only needs to be like eighty percent as good, and he'll still be very very well. Good. So, exactly, uh, and I think the thing too, though, is I think that um, no matter what happens with Mick, I think uh, a lot of what gets swept under the rug is uh, Mick's cousin, Ralph Schumacher's son, David. Apparently, is even better than Mick Schumacher, from what I've been ooh, reading in some of the. Really? junior results that he's been doing so whether or not Mick makes it or not um, I think that there could very much be a Schumacher name on that grid at some point maybe we will just have these cousins battling each other like we did with Ralph and Michael sort of in the early 2000s so yeah a few Schumachers to keep an eye on I think in the future Gosh, that's so depressing, Ben. However will we manage? Yes, I know. And then when they have kids, it'll just be the constant Schumacher, um, you know, errors uh, constantly. In... It's kind of, it kind of reminded me of, like, the, the Bushes and yeah. all these other sort of dynasty-type things. It's like there'll be just Schumachers in F1 until, like, 2050 or something. Yeah, but, um, keeps, keeps plugging but, along. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, Raikkonen's got, what, a couple of kids now. Jensen Button's about to have a, a son, I think. Um, you know, Felipe Massa's got kids. I mean, it could just be, you know, the nostalgia factor, rebooting Formula 1 every time. 20 years, just the same last names over and over again. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, a lot of the, a lot of these guys, their kids do go in. You've got Carlos Sainz, yep. you've got the Fittipaldi per, per, guy, Rosberg. Yep. I mean, there's heaps of them that come through from their dad. So, um, Damon Hill, he was another yeah, one. Villeneuve, Villeneuve yep. he was one. Yep. There's heaps, heaps of people come through. So, I, I, I have no issue with it. The only thing is, I think you do have to... I'm glad they do vet them to make sure they actually deserve their spot because at the end of the day, you... Uh, you know, a couple of the – there's a few of them. Uh, was, it, uh, Lance Stro- was it Lance Stroll whose dad bought the F1 team? Oh, and now no, don't don't of- you give shit on my man Lancey. Come on now. Leave, you leave Lancey out of well, this. Well, he he's, he's had a couple of good races, but at the same time, someone did cut a pretty big check for that to all happen. Well, Sergio, wanna, Sergio Perez has guy. come out this week and said that uh, Stroll's faster than Ocon and Hulkenberg. So, you know, like uh, – that's, that's a call. That's, that's all right, all right, yeah, all right. Uh-huh. That's, that's a I'll, d- I'll, reserve, I'll reserve judgment. I'm, I'm – I didn't mean to really slam the guy. I'm only making the point that I just don't think the sport needs to be full of those people mm. that are buying their way in or, or just trading on 
a or name. Some, on their yeah. family name or something. Yeah. For every, for every sure Rosberg and Hill. Yeah, for every Rosberg and Hill, there's a Piquet Jr. and a Bruno Senna who kind <laughs> of, you know, doesn't really do too much based on their last name. So, uh, well, true. Yeah, that's true. There you go. Yes. Kevin. And it, the good news is... Go, no, go ahead, please. If you have sorry. something to add, please, quickly, before I let you go. I was just, I was just saying that the... Uh, I was just saying that that's a good thing about Formula One. It is uh, it does a very good job of culling the herd. It does the survival of the fittest. That's for sure. Very much so. Very much. What did Murray Walker famously say? F one is if spelt backwards. And uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, if luck, things yeah. happen a different way, it, it yeah, as I said, culling the herd. I like that. That works. Kevin, pleasure, mate. We'll have to do this again at some point, at some stage, whether it be in a more of a Formula One capacity or something else. But it's great to have you back here and uh, great to chat with you once again after all these years. Good on you, mate. Good to chat. All right. What a long marathon episode. And if you've made it to this, I'm going to say a naughty word to make sure that you know what I'm talking about. Boobies! Also, congratulations for making it this far. We're proud of you. Realistically, like, you've done a bloody good job. Like, even I wouldn't listen to this crap. Like, (laughs) seriously, what's wrong with you? If you're listening to every hour of this, like, Jesus Christ. Um, It was great to hear from everybody. And I just want to spend a special uh, mention out there to former co-hosts who didn't appear on this show, to Anthony, to Lauren, to Peter, Kelly, and Tali. Uh, all, we did reach out to all of them um, for a variety of uh, different successes, but uh, obviously we realise that uh, people have gone on to bigger and better things than this rubbish. We're just still sitting here and... <laughs> did you hear that? You weren't supposed to hear that. Yeah, we, we heard that. But uh, no, thank you to them and to everybody else on this uh, program today. It's but it's. What have you thought of the episode today? It was pretty wonderful to catch up to hear you catching up with all those people that I yeah. don't know. Did yeah. You li- did you listen to every single one of them? Um. Uh, do you want the truthful answer or the correct answer? I always want the truth. Haha. <laughs> no, you've never. You haven't even listened to the best ofs that I sent to you when we hey, first met. Hey, I've listened to like two thousand seven and eight. Okay, and uh, have you listened to the other ones since? Are you ever going to listen to the other one since? Maybe. Really? Maybe. Really? What Maybe. if I what if what if I tell you you have to listen to them before we get married? Do I have to? Yes. You've got eighteen. No, more than that. You've got what are we at right now? Like five hundred and eighty days or something like that. Five hundred and eighty-nine days until we get married to listen to ten best ofs, basically that barely go for two hours each. So I can do it. You can do it, and you will do it. And I'm going to make sure that when we read our vows that uh, I will throw in a question that you have to answer based on, like, a best of of one of the years. So I don't like this idea. Well, you know, you also – most people don't like the idea of marrying me, but you're kind of stuck with it. So, yeah. We'll be back next week for all the regular fun of the fair, more questions, more Mallory just being bored and yawning. Are you going to be on the radio this week on the Ben and Mal Variety Hour? Yeah. You're going to be singing again? Oh. Yes, I've, I wrote down some songs in the book the other day of songs that would be good to do. So okay. um, I'm excited. But in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, all the relevant channels. And uh, I will say we do appreciate the fact that we have got listeners. And we thank you very much from the bottom of our heart for coming along for a hundred of these podcast ones. It's taken us two and a half years to get to the hundred mark. Uh, I don't think it took us quite that long when we were uh, back doing the brink when we were on edge. But hey, you know. Different as Stiggy is just absolutely attacking the crap out of this right now. So, for the 100th podcast time, let me finish off by saying keep sucking those oranges, Hobart Vicargo, and good night.